Hey guys, it's your host Julian. This week has been a long time coming. I'm talking to Megas XLR co-creator, Mr. Jody Schaefer. In this episode, we're going to talk about the humble beginnings of Megas XLR, how the characters were flushed out, some of our favorite memories, moments, and episodes, and then we get extremely personal towards the middle part of this podcast. We talk about the untimely cancellation of Megas XLR and the effect that that had on Jody mentally. We both end up sharing some mental health struggles that I myself and then Jody has had, and then things that we've seen in other people. But all in all, this conversation was extremely fun. I'm so glad that uh, this conversation finally happened. Like I said, I, I've been chasing Jody in a non-stalkerish way to get him on this podcast for roughly a year and a half, almost two years now. All right, a little bit more housekeeping before we roll into this episode. We're talking Patreon. Ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't yet, you should check us out on Patreon. We're offering three tiers with a lot of fun perks. Some of those perks included in these three tiers are a special shout out to all the patrons that sign up. Question priority, early and ad-free access to the audio and video channel chats, voting on our upcoming retrospectives, and so much more. We're getting ready to release our next Patreon-exclusive video at the end of this month. So if you want to see that video, we've already got one up there already, but if you want to see this one, you gotta sign up for those two bottom tiers. And speaking of shoutouts, man, I'd like to give a shout-out to Jacob, our first Patreon member. Thank you so much, Jacob, for joining us on this ride. Now, without further ado, let's get to this amazing chat with Magus XLR co-creator, Mr. Jody Schaefer. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to What's My Head Podcast. I'm your host, Julian. Today, I'm joined by Jody. Jody, welcome to the show, man. Uh, glad to be here. Oh, man, I'm glad to have you. I know this has been a long time coming. We've been talking on and off for two years. Every time we get really close to talking, something in my life happens where I have to put this on the back burner. So I'm so glad that we're finally doing this because if there was one constant in my life growing up, it was Megas XLR, one of my favorite shows of all time growing up. I would love to know the early stages, man. How does Megas XLR come to be? Oh, well, that, that that's, I love that story. Basically, uh, George, Christic and I, you know, the other co-creator, we were sitting around in my house in uh, Somerset, New Jersey, playing playing a PlayStation. And we were just, you know, uh, we were working at MTV at the time and just, just shooting the shit about uh, what we would like to see on TV. And I mentioned to George, like, you know what I would like to see on TV? I've distilled it down to a single sentence. A big, fat, screaming idiot driving a giant robot. And, yeah, you know, like, basically Chris Farley in a giant robot, he looked over, he's like, that's a great idea. We sh- like holy, holy crap. We sh- we're just sitting there playing games, and we just kind of snowballed from there. Like he just bounced ideas off. I was like, oh, that's cool. Let's run with it. You know, like he came up with the idea of the war in the future and sending the back in time. And then I was the one, like, uh, you know, oh, yeah, he's really good at piloting the robot because he fixes it up. He's really good at playing video games, and uh, it and it just it just snowballed from there. Oh, that's so cool, man. Do you remember what game you guys might have been playing? All of them. Oh. <laughs> I, I'm assuming you guys were, were roommates or friends growing up, and we, uh, we were friends. So we met in college. Actually, is mm-hmm. is what happened, and then uh, yeah, and, and then we we all worked together at MTV Animation uh, through uh, Chris Pranowski, you know, owner of Tin Mouse. Now um, he actually yeah. got me my my first job at MTV on uh, on the Beavis and Butthead movie. Oh, that's really cool, man. Uh, what was it like those? Because, you know, I was born in 89. So I was at the generation like Dari was starting to like kind of phase in and phase out. Beavis and Butthead, I think, had kind of finished their run by the time I started really watching cartoons or anything that wasn't, uh, you know, Cartoon Network, Nickelodeon, anything like that. So MTV, you know, we had Daria, 
uh, that was starting to phase out. And, you know, I remember like the early Danny Antonucci things. And of course, Mike Judge is one of my all time heroes because of King of the Hill, nonetheless, man. I mean, it's just him, Greg Daniels and everybody involved in that series was just phenomenal, man. But what were some of those uh, early days at MTV like? Because I haven't had too many people that have had that uh, MTV experience. There was like, there was no, there's nothing else like it. I, 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 it's indescribable. It was just such a weird counter culture, creative atmosphere, you know, like a, it was a, it was a, just a bunch of East coast weirdo artists getting together and just having fun. And I mean, like I said, my, my first job was on, on the Beavis and Butthead movie was during the hallucination scene. When you see all the, the weird little rat fink, imps, I, I, I designed a bunch of those, you know, and uh, it, it uh, like there would be, we uh, that was the uh, off Broadway thirty third floor so but they they would have, they would have like bicycle races in the hallways at, at some points and uh, and at one point it was like I think it was two people on bike and and Chris P got his he saw that and he got his roller skates out and he just joined in and there'd be just people tooling around the halls on on their whatever they had for wheels and um, yeah that's that's the sort of thing you couldn't do that today you shouldn't do that's that sad. it was it was. <laughs> Sounds very punk rock, man. It sounds very reminiscent. Uh, it sounds very reminiscent. I've had a lot of the guys from the uh, the 90s as far as the Cartoon Network goes to so the early days of Cartoon Network. And a lot of them were saying the same thing. I, I don't know if you know him, but Andy Bialk, I had him on uh, shit earlier this year, maybe late last year. He was a character designer for a lot of uh, Powerpuff Girls, Samurai Jack, um, you know, uh, a few other shows. And uh, he would say that they would go down and dress up with the old Hanna-Barbera suits that they would have uh, and just walk the hallways or, you know, play around and shit. And people would uh, I've heard stories of people coming up and down, driving their or riding their bikes, excuse me, up and down the hallways, drawing on walls and shit. So it just sounds like a very fun uh, what creative people do when they get together. They create shit, man, whether it's mischief or art, man, they're creating something. Um I actually had a question. Uh, somebody wrote in. I think it was on Reddit. I apologize, I didn't write this one down. Um, but they had asked. They had asked uh, about that that hallucination scene of Beavis and the Butthead. What do you remember from from doing that scene? Is there anything that sticks out in particular? Um, just the amount of freedom that they gave us when we were doing it. You know, like they they said Rob Zombie was was the, the, the tentative director of it, but it was mostly Chris. You know, mm-hmm. like and he Rob signed off on stuff and you know, but um, just like stuff to remember no it was it they were like just draw us the most fucked up stuff you can and we gave them some really like, and and then they would sift through and like okay you know we like this i i do remember some of the stuff we drew that i really liked that we didn't get like or maybe they did um i drew like uh i drew the i drew them as vultures at one point i don't believe that actually made it into the uh the final cut and i thought that was a funny thing so yeah yeah well, there, you, there you go, uh, person from Reddit that wrote in. I apologize, I didn't write your name down. Um, you know, flipping it back to to Megas, like I said, Megas was such a huge part. I remember it; it came in my life and it went out of my life very, very quickly, man. Um, I know the first, feeling. <laughs> yeah, it's it was it's one of those ones that you you really have to scratch your head because I had told you before we hit record. I went and bought both seasons of it right before uh, the hurric. We got hit by the hurricane. No damage. You know, but I just we just lost you know internet connectivity for a little bit, so I wasn't able to to catch all the way back up on on a show that I absolutely loved as a kid, man. But this one dropped my first year of high school, right? So I'm I'm coming into high school for the first year. Oh, you were exactly the got, demographic. Oh, a hundred percent. I was definitely a I was definitely a fat kid too. I mean, at some point in time, like I told you before, uh, my dog just ate my three my last my my last three Oreos, man. So I'm still a still a fat kid at heart. Uh, you know, it's so like I said, this one hit 
high school age, right? So I'm talking to absolutely nobody about this because all of my friends were too cool for cartoons. They were all into chicks or all into sports. You know, you couldn't have all three of them, I guess. You know, growing up, I was one of uh, one of the one of the weird ones, I guess, just loving cartoons still, man. But I remember this one being so fun from the voice cast to the art to the animation to just it felt so it didn't feel like a cartoon network show at that time. Right. So this is post uh, fuck then. This is probably post Powerpuff Girls, post Dexter, you know, um, Foster's oh, yeah. starting to come in. It really felt like a new wave of animation, like a new golden age, if you will, from that uh, initial run from those original series for Cartoon Network coming in. Weird you should mention because we kind of weren't, you know, like we they we were basically an adult swim show before there was adult swim. If if you look, adult swim came out like a year or so after after we were already uh, you know, after we were running on all cylinders. But uh, had we come out a little bit later, uh, no, we almost certainly would have just been in Adult Swim next to like Venture Brothers or something. Hypothetically, and I like these type of type of questions. Hypothetically, if this show goes on Adult Swim, do you think you get a longer run than you did at Cartoon Network? Uh, I mean, would get to do more of the jokes that we tried to do, certainly. So yeah. <laughs> there's a good chance, you know, have more and more. And we have a lot more of those jokes because we're, you know, we're raunchy bunch of sons of bitches. But, uh... <laughs> Dude, uh, it, it, it's so one of my wild. favorite jokes we wanted to do actually i i I'll, I'll here's a little anecdote one of the jokes i wanted to do that that we couldn't get to do because it, it was cartoon network was uh, just one point coop uh or jamie one of them mentioned you know like lighting fireworks off in in the sewer or something like that and it was just going to cut to them just doing the slow motion run down the hallway as the fireball was coming up behind them and cartoon network said guys you you can't show them blowing up a sewer <laughs> you just can't do that and we're like, yeah, oh, you, that's damn you and your entirely reasonable restriction there. You guys fucking destroyed half of New Jersey every single episode. What's a sewer? It, we, it's a sewer is something kids could actually do. You can't yeah. like kids can't can't blow up half a city on their own, but they could get some fireworks, take them down into the sewer and start lighting <laughs> them off. And that's. That's yeah. a, it was emulatable, but basically, if we that's that's one of the reasons that the the, the destruction was so over the top. If you're going to go go large, because they can't they they can't copy it. It is fucking wild, man. Uh, getting getting back to that, I, I really like that. I, I would have loved to see. You know, we we do these retrospectives every once in a while. We haven't done one in a, in, in a couple of months because we've just been so busy. Um, but one of the ones we did recently was on Toonami, and then Toonami kind of leads into Adult Swim, Adult Swim, and and I, I would love uh, I would love to see since Adult Swim is actually starting to do that checkered past, which is. <clears throat> Excuse me, which is doing that uh, the whole um, that first wave of those Cartoon Network shows. So the Ed and Eddies, the Powerpuff Girls are starting to do that. I'm really curious to see if they're going to do it with something like Megas or like Symbionic Titan with those two shows that were technically Basically, tax write-offs. I would say depending like if you would like to if if you would like to see more Megas tune into that stuff. Yes, because they're going to they are they are going to they're going to gauge that's one of the reasons that stuff is on there. It's like, how much interest is there for these old properties? And that's, uh, and I love all that stuff. I, I, I watched that. <laughs> I watched checkered past unironically because I like those shows, you know, oh. like we, we, what's one of the reasons we pitched the cartoon network was because that was the network that, that got us to get, that got our sensibility, you know, like it, it wasn't as, as, for kids as Nickelodeon or as as sweet as Disney, you know, like I guess at the time we pitched their their biggest show was three cute little girls punching a monkey. Yeah. So <laughs> we were like, that's that's our vibe. 
I've got those three little girls right back there. I, I'm still trying to pick out a spot for Megas. I want to put them right behind Godzilla. I'm pretty sure you can see it, but the uh, the Hanna-Barbera version of uh, Godzilla right there in the middle. I want to put Megas back there, kind of like what he's doing now, just throwing up the horns oh, and yeah. shit. Um, you know, so he he will be back up there on that wall, man. Uh, so did you have, if Cartoon Network wouldn't have picked it up, did you guys have any other, I mean, obviously you've got the big three. I mean, MTV was kind of starting to fade out. I mean, MTV was fading out, um, with any kind of animation or anything new that wasn't reality TV shows, but was there a backup plan of Cartoon Network didn't go for it? Uh, no, not really. Uh, um, I actually, the reason I pitched to Cartoon Network was because Linda Semensky, who was VP over there at the time, she's, I think she's a pbs i can't remember where she is no but she's a she, dual link she got out of pbs she's at duolingo now right she's a right, fre- right. Fre- frequent guest I, I absolutely love talking to her she's such a Tell cool her person i said hi she is awesome and 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 yes i when i was going to college i i had her I, she was a teacher of mine and mm-hmm. you know i reached out to her with this pitch and i was like hey do, do you remember me and she's like jody how can, I, how can i forget you you're the one that always fell asleep in my class <laughs> and i was like i was like That's well me. Yeah, in in my defense, Linda, I was I was go I was working full time at the same time I was too, so I could afford going to school. So I was averaging like three hours of sleep a night. So I was legitimately tired. I was not bored. And she, you know, and she laughed. She understood. But um, we set up a meeting at um, at Comic Con because we both love to go to Comic Con, and it was like not a not an actual meeting meeting, but just we agreed to meet up. You know, and uh, we put together at George and, and Chris. We put together a. Uh, just a pitch video, you know, like a concept thing. And we brought it in. And basically when we got there, we just sandbagged her with it. Like here, Linda, what do you think? You know, and uh, she dug it. And then we were on, uh, what was it? The, the the cartoon voting thing, whatever that was. And we actually, as I recall, yeah, we, we blew everybody else out of the water. That was awesome. They, they, and uh, to be clear, like, as I recall, the other executives were not interested. Like they did, they did not want us. They're like, what, what are these idiots? Look, look at this. You know, like the, again, it was, crazy it was pretty pretty adult stuff and they were still doing more kid stuff but they the kids just liked us and and we were we were kind of honored dude you got this show was so fun this is this is one thing that has come up so many different times and i I try to i try to stay away from the negativity because i just don't think there's any kind of value in it it's just it's there's already so much Agreed. hate out there as it is, you know what I mean? So it, it's Agreed. like it's nothing's gonna happen if I get on here and shit on something. However, try to be as polite as possible. When it comes to executives, especially like I've heard so many war store or horror stories, excuse me, when it comes to the executive side. And I'm I'm pretty sure it goes on the creative side too. There's probably some people out there that you've worked with that are absolute just assholes when it comes down to it. But you know, I've heard so many people crush so many great shows, great series, shows to be on the executive side because they don't get it. And there's one in particular, obviously Megas is one of them. Um, and the other one was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Everybody that came in to 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 pitch Ninja Turtles, they go up to him and say, "Hey, we got this ideas for the show." No, this is fucking stupid. They're turtles. They're ninjas. Who's gonna watch this shit? Everybody oh, said yeah. it. And then that toy line from Playmates blows up in '87 or '86, oh. whatever it was. Oh, I was the demographic for. I, I had I, I I bought their comic. I had their first edition comics back in the day. Yeah. They're they're all over my arm. I'm going to the uh, Orlando Comic Con tomorrow. To I've had Kevin Eastman on my podcast uh, about a year and a half ago, two years ago. Um, nice. Almost cried on him. Yeah, so he's going to be here. All four of the original voice actors. I've had two out of the four. I had Rob and uh, Townsend on. I haven't had Cam or um, Barry on yet. 
Um, and then uh, like the the 90s movie, it was my introduction into pop culture. Like if it if I don't see that movie, I don't see get into comic books. I don't get into cartoons. I mean, you can see my long box. You can see one of them over here. I've got another shelf over here. of just nothing but comics, man. If it wasn't for the turtles. I don't get into the shit. I probably don't even watch cartoons. So I've got a lot to to thank that guy for for him and Peter both coming up. And it's reminiscent. You and George are like the the Cartoon Network version of uh, Peter and Kevin. Man, I mean, you got you guys both came together. You were making each other laugh. You said, "Let's make Chris Farley meets robots and let's pitch this as a series." I think that's fantastic. Um, I do actually. Back and... I was great. Oh, so I was going to say, oh, no, 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 I, no, I go, go hold ahead, that go thought. Ahead. I I like. Oh, I actually credit the, you know, the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with, with a lot. Like, I, like I said, I was, I got their comics first run and they were the ones that really showed me. It's like, Oh, you know, uh, a concept doesn't have to follow traditional, you know, like uh, channels. You can just, you can throw shit together and, and have fun with it. And just, you know, like you can, you can do the spaghetti, you know, throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks approach. And just if, and you'll find stuff that you enjoy and then you can lean into it. That's, that's what I did. That's what they did. Absolutely, man. You really got to listen to your gut in, in some instances. Now, sticking on with the Turtles for just a second, man. Uh, one, do you still have your original run for that uh, original, that, that first run from Kevin? East I Matthew? have no idea where I, I've no? moved multiple times since. Yeah, no, I trust me. I I, I am also like, God damn it. Where did those go? <laughs> Could have bought a house with them by now. <laughs> Dude, that that first I had I had a chance of buying the first issue. It was graded, I think it was like a 7.5. And this is shit going back to like 2008, right when I graduate. I didn't have money, but I had a chance to buy it for I think like six and a half or seven grand. And I was like, man, I could either go to college or I could pull out a loan and buy this comic book. And I I it sounds stupid. I mean, I joined the Navy, so they paid for my college anyways. But I was like, I really wish I would have pulled out that loan because now I look at it and for a 7.5, uh, they're going for like $32,000, $34,000. I mean, that's a huge jump up from just what, 15, 16 years ago. So that's what five times the amount it was now or back then, you know, so nothing but love for 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 the turtles man but uh i gotta be honest I'm, to... I'm more of a i i'm i'm more of an up approach to th- it's just a comic that's like it, it, yeah. and you can you can get the the pages and you can enjoy the stories and that's that's what it's for and that's that's what i have so yeah, okay you could have got it but i think yeah ultimately what i'm saying is i think you made the right choice <laughs> Uh, I made the right choice because I would have opened, I would have broken the case because all of my toys are out of the box. I go in here and I pose them. I play with them. All of my comics. I read all of my comics. I don't buy digital. You know, I've got the the hardbacks for the, the original Peter and Kevin run. I'm not one of those guys that likes to keep shit behind a box or keep shit behind a case. I want to touch it. There's, there's something that is so special to me. And I told this story um, to one of the turtle guys that I just had on for the new turtle movie. Um, uh, Jack- great movie, by the way. Oh, dude, it was so fucking great, man. Like if I, I think if 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 this movie would have came out before the 90s one, like if I would have seen this one prior to the 90s movie, this would have been my favorite one. Dude, it is so close. Like I have I hold that first movie that that Jim Henson one that Steve Barron directed that first movie in such high. Rec- I think it's a perfect movie. It's so grungy. It's so I'm with you. it's so dark you know and it's, it's a perfect. great message and it and i it was like is. it's a really touching best and it and it stayed true to the comics mostly i was like oh I, yes. you're right on every it's it's for the my, me it's it's the turtles movie the the new one is my second favorite movie, turtles yes movie, by the way. but then yes. that one uh, the, my other like top tier favorite movie is who framed roger rabbit that's actually oh, the movie dude. that convinced me to be 
to go into animation. I was like, that that was that's for me. That is the perfect movie because it has it has everything I look for. It, it you know it it, it yeah. It, and again, you know, same same kind of thing as a big fat guy in a giant robot. Oh, let uh, let's do film noir, but with but with, with tunes. So absolutely uh and i've i've gotten to talk to a couple people that have worked on that movie it, it is damn near perfect i'm not not damn near perfect excuse me it is a perfect movie there's three there's probably more than three movies but there's three movies that come to mind that i think is absolute perfection obviously that first ninja turtle movie who framed roger rabbit is up there and back to the future those are like the first three movies oh, yeah. that i think the, the first one for sure i wanted to be marty mcfly when i was younger dude i i i i was there, there's something Fox gave me so much entertainment. I, I do, I do love the guy, and I, I'm really, I, I, yes, I feel for him. But he, he's, a, he was a phenomenal actor. Oh, so, dude, yeah. yes, he, he is. And I, I got he the is. chance at a Orlando, uh, Orlando MegaCon, I think is what, yeah, or MegaCon, uh, a couple years back. I got, I got to do a little photo op with him and shit, right? And usually they herd you in like cattle. There's, there's thousands of fucking yeah. people in line, right? And I'm, I'm literally the last guy in line. And I'm sitting there and they're like, don't touch him. You know, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, perfectly fine, man. So as I'm going to leave, there's like one person behind me. So I was second to last person in line. And then uh, they, as soon as you take the picture, they say, go, go. You got to go. There's a line. And I turn around and I know I'm never going to get this opportunity again. And I look back at him and I, and I say, I want to thank you for fucking making my childhood so special to me. And then I'm sitting here. I'm telling him all this. And then the handler's like, hey, you have to go. I was like, no, no, no. I was like, I don't want to be that guy, but I spent fucking $200 to get a two second picture with him. And that, it wasn't the point. I could give two fucks about this picture. I was yeah. like, I want this guy to, to, to know like what he fucking meant to me and everybody here that waited four hours in line. I was like, I'll never get this opportunity again. Thank you so much for everything you did for me and people in my generation, because without this movie, there's so many people that have a bleak existence. Like it, it sounds stupid. It sounds superficial, but it is a fucking brilliant movie. That stuff means a lot to entertainers. Yeah. I, I know, like specifically that. That I'm. I don't know the man, but I'm. I'm sure that must have felt good for him. So, good uh, on you. yeah, yeah, man. It, it's like I said. I, I this is why I do this podcast is to thank people like him and people like you, man. I mean, Magus, like I said, was a huge part. And, and I know we just did a whole tangent on turtles and Michael J. Fox and Back to the Future, man. Uh, so we'll get it back to Magus. Uh, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, I apologize, man. But uh, anytime I can geek out and nerd out with somebody that loves the same shit, I, I, I fucking love it. And I think it's very personable when you can open up. Uh, we've never met. Like we've talked through Facebook Messenger, shit like that. But we've never met each other. We've never really talked in person before. You know, so trying to find things that are similar, you know, and to, to build on and talk. I think it's pretty fun, at least on my side, man. Uh, but getting yeah. back to Megas XLR. Uh, when this pitch, obviously you said you, you know, you kind of sand, sandbagged Linda at uh, Comic-Con, like, Hey, look at this. And, uh, she was the only exec that liked it. Um, when something like that happened, the only executives... exec that liked it there, there, there were like Jay Bastian, who was still over at Warner brothers and who is an awesome, all like he, he is a personal friend of mine. He's a great guy. And he also yeah. liked it. And when Linda left, he, he picked up the, he picked up the banner. And to this day, he still says it was one of his favorite shows. So yeah. Oh, we're, we're right on, man. Shout out to him for doing that, too. Yeah. Um, well, with with a couple, we'll, we'll rephrase that question with a couple of the executives yeah. like it and a couple of them not liking it. How many executives do you have to go through before it kind of gets greenlit or it kind of makes its way up the ladder says, hey, you guys can proceed with this series? I, you know, I never better like there. there is a chain. You get you get your first one and that that one's on your side and by the way at this point like one of the things i know that a little little note for people out there who might be pitching is when when they at this stage give you those kind give you some notes give you some feedback of what they'd like to see it's because that's what they're looking at that they think they can use to to sell to the person the next person up the ladder 
Gotcha. You know, they're not just trying, like a lot of folks are like, oh, you're, you're shitting on my creative vision. It's like, no, they're not. I mean, they might be shitting on your creative vision, but they're trying to get you, they're trying to help you sell the property. So. Gotcha. Yeah, absolutely, man. One hand washes the other type of thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because if you look good, they look good and they want to look good. They don't yeah, look good right now with the strike, but oh well. <laughs> I really hope they get this shit figured out, man. I don't think what uh, what the writer side is asking is that much of uh, that much of an ask, man. I, I think it's for for so long. You see it so often in every venture of life. You know, the guy or the girl that comes up with something is exploited and taken advantage of. You know, look at the look at look at um, look at the Superman dudes, man. Uh, for fucking life, me, I can't. I know it's. Spiegel, Schuster, Schuster. I can't think of their names for some reason right now. But uh, when you look at it, even with price with inflation, you know, is a few thousand dollars is what they sold Superman for. And he's a multi-billion dollar entity, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's just for so long, you see so many people taken advantage of. And you see it in animation, you see it in music. So I, I'm a hundred percent, I'm getting all choked up today. Must be the coffee. Um, I'm 100% in support for the writers, man. You guys should be getting more pay. You know, you guys oh, yeah. bring you guys bring the the skeleton to the to the table for these guys to make billions of dollars on, man. So keep going as I, long it, as it takes. I mean, I don't even need to take it like I am I am solidly on on the writers and the actor side as as a union yeah. member myself. I'm in the Yahtzee local I'm in the animators guild. And I mean, I, don't, I you don't even have to get into the nuance of it. It's just the side with obscene amounts of money is in the wrong. That's yes, like, you know, absolutely. That, so, oh, one side has way, way more money, and the other side is struggling. Well, there is definitely a right side and a wrong side here, and I don't need to know anything else about it. So, yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, keep it going for as long as it takes to get everything you guys have earned and deserved, man. Um, but when this show gets pitched, do you know? I heard this story when uh, when I had Craig McCracken on, obviously the creator of Powerpuff Girls and Fosters and Kid Cosmic and everything else um, that he's he's worked on. Uh, you know his his initial pilot did not test that well because you know they had to go back and retool some stuff. They had to explain the girls. So I was gonna say which room. one? You mean the, the whoop ass girls? Yeah. Well, when you did the first one for for Cartoon Network, it did not test well because it was a room full of boys. It was three girls. Uh, so that was already going against them. And then the thing that they got from the focus group was like, we need we need a reason to understand these characters. So they went back, they gave them the origin story, they put a couple other things in. And then once it delineated between the three girls and they had all their separate personalities and they just fine tuned a couple things. That's all they were missing. They were said, punch up the humor like Dexter, fine tune yeah. a couple things and then come back. You know, was there any notes like that uh, during your pilot or your test run or uh, anything you remember that stands out that you guys had to punch up, punch down or kind of alter? Uh, let me think about it. No, you know, we were we were pretty well like we are Coop, Jamie, Kiva, Gorath. They were all pretty well realized at just just going in. We kind of knew what we wanted out of out of that part of, of the show. Mm -hmm. that, to my recollection, I will say. And that was, you know, 25 years ago now. <laughs> Um, but yet I, I can remember like it, it came together very organically from that initial sentence and George and I just sitting there, you know, cause we knew we wanted the, the main dude, honestly, like that was part of it. Like one of the reasons Coop, it was, a, is a big guy is because if you look at all anime mech pilots from Japan, they're all very lithe and, and slim and small and they all, and, and like uh, Evangelion, they, they don't want, they really don't want to be a pilot or they, they're adding some kind of other heavier thing. And we just wanted to have fun. And we were like, all our friends, if they were offered a giant role, they they wouldn't be thinking about the the, the responsibility or the heavy, you know, the the weight uh, that you know that, that bears for them to pilot this thing. They'd be fucking thrilled. 
Like I get to drive the giant robot. Woo! Carry it home. Defending an alien base. Yeah, bring it on. You know, let's and, wreck and, some shit. Yeah, yeah. Let's wreck some shit. Let's let's play with. It. Let's have let's have a good time. And that's 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 where it went from there. And you know, like and and our friends were all big dudes. You know, like <laughs> so that's kind of how it reason. happened, man. Mm-hmm. It's very organic, is what it sounds like. Now you'd mentioned, uh, you know, like somebody like Chris Farley. Was that uh, was that a, a real inspiration or a real? you know, piece of life you were pulling from to, to Oh yeah. Chris Fowler's real inspiration. We had, I mean, like I, and he could, and we also know we have a couple of personal friends who we, we used Coop is an amalgam of a few folks we know. And, and Chris Farley, I should say. What are some of the, uh, what are some of the quirks that you might've taken from some of your friends? And did those friends ever like, Oh, are they talking about me? Did they take that from me? Did anybody ever come up? We didn't do anything like really specific in that sense, but I mean, you know, like, like I do remember the one line when, when I did the, uh, uh, the 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 ultra chicks episode where one of them calls Coop like hey, who's your who's that chubby guy Coop's like chubby lady this is fat like you know because he, he's he knows he's he, he knows he's fat he's perfectly happy in his own skin and you yeah. can't make fun of him about it because he owns it so yeah <laughs> yeah a hundred percent man it, it like I said it, these characters are so fun and what I find so fun about these characters is the voice cast the voice cast you guys had is pretty i don't want to say pretty solid and just be you know sound like i'm condescending but it's pretty fucking spot on for for the guys and gals you got to to voice these characters man what was that uh what was that casting like did did cartoon network throw hey we want these guys or did you guys get to hand pick who you wanted yeah we did they were really cool about it too um actually i knew i wanted uh steve bloom and wendy lee for jamie and kiva because like, i mm-hmm. was just i was i was still riding that uh cow- Bob high. Cowboy Bebop. and i yeah, <laughs> yeah and, I, and i was like and I, I wendy just has the voice for kiva straight up and i was like and i i knew steve had the voice in him that he could uh, you know because he's got that that excellent it did and steve's a friend of mine by the way he's, he's a super cool guy um, yeah, but I just knew he could do it. And, you know, like we, we brought in a few other folks for it. And I was like, let's, let's get Steve in here and let him try it. And then the guy, and he came in and he nailed it. And everybody was like, wow, Jody. Okay. So, and then I actually, uh, finding the right voice for Coop was, I was, I was the, the longest and most involved one. And, and I, we eventually, like I said, obviously we settled that for it on, on Dave Deloise and he's, he was, a, he was he just perfect for it. So, you know, I I just uh, I just watched Cowboy Bebop in its entirety. I had seen a few episodes, you know, growing up. Um, Steve was all obviously for me in my generation. He was the voice of Tom, you know, Toonami. Dude, we would mm-hmm. race home like, you know, almost every kid my age and pretty much everybody in America. Dragon Ball Z does not hit. I don't really think anime has a foothold like it does now. You know, Dragon yeah. Ball Z kind of had to lay the foundation for more to come in you know you had voltron and voltron before megas voltron was my favorite robot anime or you know anything entity oh, yeah. cartoon of all time right i fucking love i i try to use let's form like voltron at least once a week when i work i work in a kitchen so i'm a sous chef at a kitchen a lead baker there so anytime i can say all right guys man we got to come together like a team let's fucking form like voltron if i can throw a goddamn wu-tang reference out there i'll use that one as well so that way the younger kids you know think i'm hip and i get some you know i get a couple brownie points with them but uh you know uh fuck man toonami we would race home we would see dragon ball z and we were just elated to hear tom and then you see all of these iterations of tom and then he like grew up with us and then steve doing uh doing so many voices from our child i mean wolverine he was 
he is Wolverine. There's oh, so yeah. many things that you can go and stick to. Like Steve is that, or Steve is this to me. So, like I said, I have fantastic casting. And uh, I, I would love to know, did uh, when when he was cast, obviously, was it right off the bat? You're like him and Wendy, they've got to be these two characters. Was it right away or did you go through anybody else before then? And no, for me, I, I I pretty much knew. And actually, it was a funny story. As I recall, Keith, there you go, Keith, uh, Steve was uh, doing, he, he'd just been doing anime, like you mentioned, that he'd mm-hmm. done Cowboy Bebop, you know, that that was what he had been doing up until that. We were his first, we were basically his foot in the door for, for Western cartoons. And, uh, yeah. you know, after that, he fucking blew up. He's motherfucking Steve Bloom now. And that's... <laughs> That's on his business card, ladies and gentlemen. And motherfucking Steve Bloom. I I think it's actually Steve motherfucking Bloom, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but he's uh, he's in the Guinness Book of World Records now for like the most voices if in, in like in video games or something like that. Yeah, he's 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 done a lot, dude. And done a lot is an understatement, man. Yeah. Uh, like I said, voice of a generation. Like I said, there's like when Toonami was canceled back in 2012 i think it whatever it was like it was legitimately a sad day for an entire generation of people that grew up from like fuck 14 years so uh, there was we had tsunami in our lives more than we had anything else in our lives at that point you know and it, to see it canceled it was like dude this was like the first piece of my childhood dying and then them bringing it back and then them having I don't want to say the wherewithal because there's so many times when something reboots that like, all right, we're just going to go younger. We're going to go different cast. We're going to go different style. We're just not going to get the same voice actors. They tried to do it with John DiMaggio and Bender, you know, with that whole bullshit deal they were doing over. I'm so glad he, you know, he came back. Um, but I was so happy when they brought, when they brought Toonami. Like I still record it every, every fucking week I, it's on. I think, I think John, DiMaggio, I think John always knew he was going to come back. I think he was using that to kind of raise a little awareness about that situation. And, and I think it was right for, I think it was the right move. <laughs> Absolutely, dude, because it, that whole adage, the squeaky wheel gets the grease or the squeaky yeah. wheel gets the oil, whatever it is, man. If you're just going to sit there and take it, cause there's so many people that are comfortable with what they're making, but you start seeing like, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure you, you went through it too. When, when you were working at cartoon network, I know I'm going through it and I see it like, dude, I should, I should be making a little bit more than I am right now. I'm doing the job but like when I call out or when I went on, on baby leave, I was gone for 10 days. You know how many people it took to do my job? Four people. Four people to do the one job that I do every fucking day for 12 hours a day, man. One person, me, you know, so I start seeing those, those, those things not adding up. And it's the same thing with John. He saw all of this shit that this Futurama is one of those things. It's a lot like family guy. It's been canceled and brought back so many times because the fan base is rabid. The fan base for Megas is just as rabid in my opinion, because there's so many people when I posted the, the picture of Megas, you know submit your questions for jody they're like we want this show back there was like generally the first you know couple questions is like how did megas come about right or how did whatever show whoever i have coming on how did it come about like the first seven or eight questions on almost every thread was like hey man when are we going to get a reboot hey man uh how do we get the show how do we get a dvd set uh, i like the itunes thing but i want a bluetooth i want high res you, wanna, you know so you want to reboot right into cartoon network or warner brothers tell me you want to reboot that's uh that's one of the ways to get one <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ladies and gentlemen, you got to form like Voltron, form like Megas, man, form like Jamie Keeve and uh, Arkiva and um, shit, Coop. I don't know yeah, why I was going to say, like Megas, Megas with S Force when when he violated <laughs> all of them, and then that was our Voltron, and and we we were we were stunned they let us do that because that was uh, <laughs> we uh, we did a lot of stuff we were stunned they let us do. I've said, <laughs> is there one or two that stick out the most as far as like, oh my god, I can't believe they let us do this. 
couple I'm a little embarrassed about. Yeah, that, like uh, the, the one where Jamie turns into a tentacle monster in his match. I was like, that that we shouldn't have done that. <laughs> but You're responsible I, for an entire generation of like and tentacle porn, Jody. How do you feel about I, that? I I feel nothing. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead on the inside. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Oh, Helps him waking something in him. If it's keeping him from going to like the clock tower with a sniper rifle, it gives him a hobby. Great. I'm I'm happy to do it. But <laughs> other than the tentacle one, is there any other one that sticks out? Um, not really. A couple of them were were kind of era specific, and I looking back on it, I'm like, where was that? What was that referencing? You know, and like uh, mm-hmm. because they they like we had some comic book references and, and stuff. But nowadays, there's so much of that sort of media. Every you know, you can't you can't be that specific because people don't have those kinds of uh, they, they don't have that that common context. Yeah, they don't have that deep cut knowledge, you know. So yeah, it, I like seeing when there's deep cuts. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and and so do I. But again, those 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 things are now few and far between. There's just so much media out there. To go and in fact, to, to bring it back around to what we talked about before with with uh, animators, it's like it is now it is easier for younger animators to to get their um, get their their property out there, but. It's all like again, but now there's because YouTube exists because all these different you know like it's it's much or Twitch you you can get stuff online, but um, it's just a lot more difficult to to take stand off, out. But, yeah, to stand out because there is so much other competition because every because everybody can do that everybody is doing that so that's where the promotion and that's where like I was saying before it, it's it is difficult because a lot of animated we're as at at the heart we are shy nerds we. One of the reasons we're sitting there drawing is so we don't have to get in front of the camera and do these sorts of things. But um, but some folks they like like I said that that was never for me. But a lot of folks out there that's that's where they that's right in their wheelhouse. You know, like uh, you're you're a good example actually. So good on yeah, you. Well, thank you, thank you, man. I'm I'm glad you I'm glad you chose to do this because I know there's so many people that have reached out to. Uh, so many people that are that are absolute heroes to me, and they just like I don't like I can't I don't like talking about myself. I just want to see. I just want to be. I want to be anonymous. I even though yeah. I'm not anonymous and my name is in the credits, I just I want to be able to come and go as I please. And I was like, I, I respect that, but it's just like like I said, the reason I do this show is to you guys' career will outlive me, the show or anything like this. But there's going to be I, I see it so many times whenever I post a new interview. Like, dude, I never knew he worked on this show. I'm a fan of this guy or this girl. Because because of whatever they've done. And I know they worked on the show. So if they worked on the show and they lent their talents, I have to go check out the show you talked about. Or if something comes up organically in the conversation, like tentacle porn, I'm pretty sure there's going to be at least two or three people here that's <laughs> going to go and look up tentacle porn now that we're, that we turned them on to it, Jody. Look at us. We, we have succeeded where everybody else has failed. You know what? Here's, I have, speaking of, of adult content, um, there is still a regular, like, I, because people, Bring it to my. I don't look for this stuff, but be, hey, Jody, check it out. Ha, ha. And there is still adult content being produced of of Megas characters, and far and away the most popular character for this for that stuff is Coop. Really, I was gonna, yeah. I was assuming it was going to be Kiva or Goat, but why Coop? Why, Coop in your opinion, be, is it Coop? Oh, I know, I, I know sexy. why. The, the bear community, if if because he's a big, jolly, sweet guy. And you know, and he's and he's handy. He's very positive. He's upbeat. And he can eat a lot, and he likes being big. You know, and those those guys. That's that's. I I have friends who are bears, and they're like, oh yeah, you you made a hottie there, Jody. I was like, oh okay. Huh. <laughs> was was that in the back of your mind when you were creating? That was, 
that was how, absolutely how did, not in the back of our head. Like we were just, oh, we dude. just wanted to have a guy, a likable dude, you know, I like real talk. Okay. You know, in, in, can, it, to our mind, Coop is asexual. Mm-hmm. That was that before was a term for it that we knew like that's, that was in the writing. Like if there was ever going to be like some, is just not interested in it. Coop has his, his love. He's got his, he's got a giant robot he, and he's got his friends and he's got his video games. He's perfect. Got everything he needs. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, man. Yeah. His his life is complete. There's so many people that walk through life. Uh, they'll go through their entire life and never find happiness. So the fact that this yeah. guy found it out before he's, you know, before he's thirty, I, hats off to him, man. Do that, whatever that makes you feel happy. Exactly. Yeah. That that that's that was a big part of our stuff. Is is Coop is 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 happy and and that's and he likes having fun and and he infects the world with his love of having fun and breaking shit. Yeah. Then. Breaking the shit out of New Jersey, man. Uh, what was uh, out of the out of the three characters? Obviously, you said you had the first two uh, as far as pinned down for voices. You knew who you wanted, and you got them right away. Uh, Dave was a little bit harder to get, or find Cooper's a harder to find for for the voice. Yeah. Um, did that did that same sentiment get echoed when you were creating these characters before you even thought about a voice for him? Was there one of the two or one, two or the three characters, uh, main characters, excuse me, that were kind of hard to flush out maybe designs or personality or anything like that? Actually, the design process was, was Chris P and I sat down mm-hmm. and we were all like, I'm just going to draw a, a hot rod robot, you know, they can just draw several of them and then we'll share images and we'll pick the ones we like. And I, they, and Megus is actually uh, Chris P's original uh, thumbnail design. Really? He did. I Yeah. Yeah. Like that was, that was crispy. And uh, I did Coop, Jamie and Kiva because it just, we, we looked like we, we line, once we had a bunch of designs, we lined them up like that. That's the one. And I, that's, that was my favorite design. So I was happy. Everybody else thought so too. <laughs> and man, when it's easy, it's easy. When it, when it's right, it's right. Is what I meant. Um, yeah. <clears throat> when this one is, when, when this show is being produced, was this when you guys were already starting to switch solely to digital or was there still a little bit of hand-drawn stuff going on? Oh, we were we were still hand. We were the the last uh, hand drawn show. I, th- I think that might still, but uh, basically, Cartoon Network went went digital with each show after hours, as I recall. Like, and and we were, and that that annoyed us because we wanted to be digital because our show has a fuck had a fuck ton of assets, you know, like you saw, <laughs> and it would have just been. And we told it like this will be exponentially easier if you will give us a digital database to store these on. They'll be far, you know. And like, no, no, we we let. Like, paper where that, that's what we're going to go with that's with in the very next show we're all digital tons of vicious uh do you yep. do you guys still have any of the uh the original art that you guys did you got that pinned up against the wall or anything like that i actually had the original uh rotation of of uh coop that i did the pencil sketches i i gifted that to uh lisa furlong jones one of the producers that was on, oh that's uh, really cool man yeah for for a birthday present a few years ago because because she's awesome and i really like her and i, I appreciate her uh we are we actually she did like the uh, promotional website that we had at the time and it was it was a lot of fun she basically like just it, she, it was it was there was just so much stuff on there she had jamie had a blog and and there she put up they they made some old-fashioned like atari 8-bit style video games hidden away as easter eggs in there it was just really early 2000s internet fun and uh that was yeah, that was a that was a great thing, and then Lisa did it, and I wanted to express my thanks. 
Absolutely. I mean, it's so cool. And But the only reason I brought that up is because, uh, you know, going back to, to, you know, we just talked about Craig just a second ago. Um, but I know the, there was an LA, um, shit for like me, I can't remember the name of the gallery, but there's a gallery out in LA that did like, it was like the art of Craig McCracken. They did like every show. So he had a whole bunch of stuff that he had still had and people had and Cartoon Network had. So they all like donated it to this, uh, well, not donated, put it on loan or whatever it's called, rented it out. Um, so you can come and see the exhibit, The Art of Craig McCracken. Have you guys thought about, I know you said self-promotion is like horrible for you, but if you and George thought about doing like that, something like that, maybe drum up some kind of like, hey, look at Megas XLR. You want us to come out and see this shit? I think it'd be pretty cool if you guys had enough art to, you know, do that kind of thing. We don't have enough art for that kind of thing. No, <laughs> I mean we 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 might like you know what we we probably do have it, but it require a lot of digging and then yeah, I like I I I'm that's I have a lot of friends who were this, but it's it's just like I said, it's just too it's too stressful for me. <laughs> gotcha. So, yeah. Yeah. No. No problem, man. I'm just trying to think of anything that I could possibly do to help drum up the uh, the the want and the need because, like I said, there is a want and a need, but trying to trying to get uh, fans to like focus in on one thing, like trying to get anybody to focus on any one thing and come together as a unit is fucking impossible on on almost any day of the week, you know. So any anything that we can do to to like drum up like the want and the need for Mega Sex I would love to love to help and and put my put my small weight, you know, for this this little podcast we do. Well, this uh, is every, already every helping. Week. This oh, is man. already this is already helping. And again, like I was saying, to watch watch Checker Past and and write into to Cartoon Network or to WB. At this Absolutely. point, probably WB. It's all the same umbrella now. Um, the, the old yeah. building shit. That was, in fact, that was pretty funny. But as you saw, the the old the original building shut down, and yeah, uh, yeah and they they called us um, to to go to, to just for a final picture. And mm. I thought it was going to be just a uh, you know I thought it was just going to be like a dozen or so of the old grognards. You know, I was like, oh okay, yeah. um, like you know, like you just you know. Craig McCracken, uh, uh, Gandy Tartakovsky, those, those guys, but hundreds of people showed up. It was it was an absolute mob, and they had to close the street down so they could do the the crowd in front of it. And um, actually, like there there are some pictures online, and if you look at one of them, you can just see just barely in the upper left corner of the picture, I am giving Jay Bastian the executive I talked about a kiss on the cheek. So, are are you doing it like we talked about, where you can only see your nose? Maybe no, we should, no, uh, no, sad. I, I wish I wish I could have done that, but that was it, it was it was a drone shot like up in the air. Yeah. And they just yeah. So yeah, it was a really cool photo getting to see all of you you guys and gals that like I said literally created and curated our childhood and yeah. our teenage years and adult. Seeing all of you guys there is like, and then there was so many people that had walked through that I've I've, I've been lucky enough to have on. Um, you know, all the people that I've ever had on this show. Uh, if you're watching this and I ask you to come on the show, it's because you guys, you know, you guys touched me with the shows you created, with the words you wrote, with the art that you put up in front of us, the things that you animated, the people that voice these things. You guys elicited this a feeling, this emotion, you know, uh, you know, growing up. You can mail me I, your therapy. <laughs> I'll do that, man. Uh, <laughs> you know, so it, it's like whenever I ask somebody to come on, it's because I like I said, I fucking love what you guys did, man. You guys gave us something so special um, and you didn't have to. Obviously, this is you guys getting whatever is up here or whatever's here, you know, onto a piece of paper because you guys are creative. You, you need to get this shit out of you, you know, so getting to share a piece of that with you guys is very special. So getting to see all the pictures from all the people that I've had on or follow and them going through the building and taking pictures of the stairwell, which I thought was so cool. Like there was drawings in there. Did, did you get a chance to put a Megas drawing or you or George or anybody that worked on Megas on, on the stairwells? 
I don't even, I, I don't think I did. I, I wasn't, I don't think, I'm not a graffiti guy. I think some no. folks did, but uh, yeah, but I don't, I don't think I ever ended up doing that. No, <laughs> well, there's no, still no. time. The building's still there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I could sneak in now, I guess, with whatever they're going to do with it. But uh. <laughs> I hope they leave it up, man, because there's that. Sh- I was I was really bummed when they tore down the Hanna Barbera building. You know, what was it a decade ago? Whatever it was, now you know. So it's just these these pieces of history that should definitely be propped up, man. Especially in Tinseltown, Hollywood of all places, man. Keep this shit because this kept the lights on. Especially, I'm not saying Hanna Barbera did, but definitely during the the early days of COVID, animation. You guys kept Hollywood afloat and alive. Uh, for quite a bit of time, man, because live action shit wasn't really happening. No movies were really going on. Everything was shut down. So animation was the only thing that could could really prosper. And it really grew and blew up and it blossomed, you know, during that time. Um, so I would love to see them keep uh, keep the building up. But what I figure we can do before we uh, we'll get back into some mega stuff. But I would love to ask you some of these fans questions. These fans questions wrote in and they had some great questions. I will um, answer them to the best of my ability. Beautiful. And anything you don't want to answer uh, or anything that you we might have already touched on, I'll skip over as well, man. But uh, from our YouTube channel, man, uh, I'm going to I apologize. Tynesha Lewis, I apologize if I pronounce any anybody's name incorrectly. Um, she said, this is so awesome. I love Megas XLR. I would ask, how did you come up with the idea for the episode? All I wanted was a slushy uh, season one, episode three. And who did the awesome artwork and music soundtrack for the series? This is one of my personal favorite episodes as well. This is when the alien robot, I can't remember his name. Uh, Reg- Regis um, Mark five. Regis Mark five. Thank you. I love Michael Dorn. Yeah, that was, that was a great oh, one. Dude, he was so fun. Like that whole fucking character was so fun, but yeah, she wanted to know how does that episode come about and who did the awesome artwork and music soundtrack for the series? Uh, I mean, the, the, it came about, we just tried to think, Think about the most mundane situations we could put Coop in. George was like, ah, Coop wants a slushy. It's a hot day and he wants to go get himself a slushy. But because he, he but he made, you know, but the, the uh, flying like, like flow chart to the show was Coop creates a problem and then he fixes the problem by making the problem worse. And that was so, oh, okay, well, he wants a slushy. Okay, what do we do? Um, An alien that he accidentally crashes onto the planet keeps accidentally foiling him from getting his slushy. Okay, how does he do? Well, uh, the alien turns out to be solar powered. So Coop creates a nuclear winter over Jersey City to, <laughs> so the thing can't get powered up. And uh, yeah. <laughs> but and the, the music, that was the other question, was is uh, was David Hollander. He was our guy. He uh, got our, and he, because he knew the, we were, as you saw, we were mostly library music. And he just knew the library to an astonishing degree. Really, really great, really talented guy. And still friends. He lives out in San Antonio now. But um, yeah, that's that's where the music came from. It was just through his encyclopedic knowledge of, of the archives. Now, with, with you, in, I know you can't talk for every artist out there, every creator out there, but you in particular, at what point in, when you're creating a show for you, uh, does music start to come in and, and maybe influence the show or does music ever influence the art style for you? How, how when does oh, music oh, all the time, all yeah. the time, like just from, from the get go, you know, we knew we had a rock and roll kind of punk rock thing going, you know, like I, I, oh my God, I was, you know, listening to like the Aquabats and, and yeah. uh, the toy dolls, it just, you know, that kind of really hyperactive, you know, it's like, and ska was big back then. I still like uh, rancid. I still enjoy rancid, you know, roots radicals is one of my favorite songs of all time. Um, just that kind of really hyperactive raucous nonsense. The, the kind of stuff you would expect Coop to listen to is yeah. because that's what we were listening to when we were drawing Coop. 
Beautiful. Well, there you go. Uh, yeah. Tynesha, I really hope I pronounced your name correctly. Uh, Kenneth the Hero 2011 wants to know. Um, my question would be, how fun was it to make this show? And what was it like to be on Cartoon Network during their prime years? Oh, it was a blast. Like, I... 10 out of 10, no complaints, you know, like it was just, it was a lot of fun. They were supportive of us and, you know, up until, I mean, up until they weren't, but, uh, <laughs> um, but we like, but it was, it was a lot of fun. Like I said, it was a great studio. It was a lot of fun. I met a bunch of cool folks who I'm still friends with to this day. And um, yeah, it was, it was a excellent and uh, creative atmosphere. That's really cool, man. Uh, is, um, when when this show's going, how early do you guys start finding out? I mean, I got to imagine like ratings and and uh, maybe viewership is maybe weekly when the show's airing. But when the show, maybe the first couple episodes of the first season, do you remember like how soon into it you knew you guys had a hit or there was such a huge fan base for it? Uh, I remember like just as soon as it started coming back, we knew we had the numbers were good, like uh, yeah. through the whole thing. And I mean, like like I said. Ed, have you heard how and why like our story how how it got canceled so i've heard you and symbionic titan from gendy tartakovsky i've heard uh it was canceled because and i don't know how true this is it was canceled because it had to be a tax write-off i've heard also heard that the viewership was was low as well so there's always these conflicting stories and i've never had anybody on that was at the forefront for it that could actually answer it i'll tell you what uh, the story to my knowledge we we actually our ratings were good like we we were up there with Teen Titans you know like mm-hmm. a similar situation and uh, what was it there was there was at the but but at the time there was Teen Titans there was us and was it Grim Adventures um, of Billy and Mandy was up there as well yeah no 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 I'm trying to think there um oh there what was the third oh I just had it not Generator right that came later um, Ben Ten there were. I think it was Ben Ten, yeah, actually. Yeah. Like, but or or but point me there were there were three shows, uh, you know, that were going after the 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 tween boy slots. Like we were all mm-hmm. aiming at the same demographic. That was, and that was just too many for them. You know, they they needed to to spread it out a little more. And and I mean, Teen Titans was DC, and, and Ben Ten was was Sam Registers. And I was like, well, and okay, <laughs> yeah. And those are both good shows, but it's like these things happen. What was that? I'm not trying to sound like a dick, but the the ratings were great. Like like, like I said, every friend, because I told you that we I had friends that just didn't watch cartoons, but the friends that I still did that had watched cartoons, we talked about this shit every time we a new episode would come out. So I never heard anybody say anything bad about it. And like I said, whenever I post these questions, like, hey, I got this guy coming on. Uh, this one was a huge response. And I expected it to be because, like I said, I, I look back on this one so fondly. But what was that feeling like for you guys and the crew when it's like you guys are being cut and a show that is getting great ratings. You guys know it is fun. You guys were having fun. You said it yourself, no complaints whatsoever until there was something to complain about when they canceled it. But on the outside looking in, it's just like, this is a, a no brainer. This one should have stayed, but what was that feeling like for you guys on the team? I, I was kind of in shock. Like I will yeah. admit, you know, but, but I, what are you going to do? <laughs> so that was, I just kind of had to suck it up and get on with my life. And it wasn't, what, again, it wasn't, it wasn't a personal thing, you know, I, I, like, I couldn't, uh, but yeah, I took like, uh, basically I ended up taking like 2005 off yeah. after, you know, I didn't, I didn't work for, for that year um, just because I was processing 
everything that had happened in the years prior and where it had come and and where I where I ended up. So. If if you, if you don't mind me asking, what were some of the things you were and like I said, if it's too personal, we can pass it. But what were some of the things that you were doing to kind of like work through the shit that you were going through, man? Was there anything in particular that you work out? Did you go travel? Did you do anything crazy? Not not really. I probably should have. Yeah. But like, but like I said, I, I was literally in shock. I I could yeah. I I was I was unable to process what had happened to me, and I didn't have access to the tools that I needed to do to process them. So that was Did, that was hmm? that was a little heavy uh, stuff. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> oh no, it's it's perfectly fine, man. Uh, because yeah. I I think there's a lot of a lot of knowledge has been passed through this show by talking to you guys. And if we can help anybody out that might be going through that or might be trying to pitch something and they don't understand like why it's not getting picked up. Cause there's so many people that I have on that have are working on their own project or artists that are in the industry now that have been on these shows that want to do something. So anytime we can give them a little bit of uh, a little bit of knowledge or, you know, maybe a little bit of a nudge. Um, how, how bad did this, I, as long as we can give a little bit of knowledge, I like doing that. I should finish that sentence, but did this affect your art? Did you stop drawing for a little while or was that your only really That's actually yeah, you draw I, more? I don't really draw for myself anymore. Like no, I, no not, I will. It, and that that's, that's, like it's just it, it it brings up some some just some unpleasant memories it, it's just like oh this is what i was doing when that happened you know and it's like oh yeah. it, it just it, it's depressing and i think on that tip i am a big advocate for for uh you know access to mental health for people like <laughs> you know, absolutely like i like uh, i said i i do wish at that time that i had that I had the ability like that i had somebody i could have gone and talked to professionally because i just to, to help work through what I was going through at the time. Oh, a hundred percent, man. It's, it's come up so many times I've, I've had on, uh, if you remember Ed and Eddie, Ed, Ed and Eddie, Jesus, I stuttered on that one. Um, I had on, uh, Tony Sampson, the guy that played Eddie, right. The voice yeah. actor for Eddie. And we talked about it pretty extensively. Like, I mean, uh, you know, a lot of people were expecting, cause I, I was the, I'm, I'm the only guy out there, um, that's had all three of the, the voice actors for Ed, Ed and Eddie on my show, like all three of them on at one time, nobody else has ever done it. Even at the height of the show, they always had them separate. I got extremely lucky. I had already had Matt and I had Matt on Matt led to Sam. And then there was a guy that I think he's from Mexico. Uh, Raphael, I apologize if you're not from Mexico. But I, I want to say that's the flag I saw on his and his profile, but he had reached out and he he saw that I was doing a deep dive because I went through the entire AKA studios. Like I I pick these shows or these series or I pick these studios that I absolutely love and I love deep diving into them. Talk to every board artist, every writer. If I can get a voice actor on here and there, love it. If I can't, nah, it is what it is. Every executive. So I went through the entire gamut with the exception of Danny Antonucci and maybe two or three of the uh, the top guys over at AKA and then a couple of people have passed away. Um, I've talked to pretty much everybody at AKA. Um, and, you know, when Tony came on, um, you know, I, we talked in depth about, you know, like what what happened, you know, why he was no longer Eddie, like what happened to the show. And a lot of it was he went to the executives and said, hey, the show's really crushing it. I think I deserve a raise. And they essentially told him, well, if you don't take what we're going to give you, we're going to blackball you and you'll never be able to work again. And it completely jaded him of the industry and he got out, you know, and he's like, I went yeah. through a, I went through a really shitty time. He was like, it sucked. He was like, I'm in a better place now. But that also happened fucking 14 years ago. And I was in a very dark spot. And we talked about like I I I I used to think that I didn't know what depression was until I had depression. 
right? I, I fucked my back and my neck up when I was in the Navy. And for the longest time, it went untreated and undiagnosed. You know, I ended up having my L3, L4, L5 were all bolting into my hip. And then I had some stuff done to my neck too, that I was just in consistent pain. I'm still in consistent pain, right? And as um, guys, we are expected that that was part of it too. As guys are expected to suck that up. I'm actually glad that that's changing too, by the way. I do want to mention it, one of the things we also, that was that we made it a point with Coop to make sure he was emotionally available. You know, like you knew who yes. he was feeling and he was happy to express himself. That was part of why. <laughs> Absolutely, man. And, you know, I, I haven't told the story in depth, but I, you know, I feel like it's very telling. And I think it's something we should get out there because <clears throat> we're talking about mental health. And I think it's very important because, um, you know, I didn't know what depression was until I had depression. I saw my mom go through it when her, her boyfriend, uh, you know, had died. I think he had probably just proposed or he was about to propose. My mom was supposed to be on the back of the motorcycle when he passed away. She ended up being held over by work for 15 minutes. 15 minutes would have changed my entire life. My dad was never in the picture. My mom was supposed to be on the back of that motorcycle. A 16 year old was driving a Mustang. He was coming onto the on-ramp. He was, he cut off, his name was Jim cut off Jim on the motorcycle. Jim never wore a helmet. And instead of doing like what most people do when you go to cut somebody off, or if you get in a lane, you're not supposed to be in, you speed up. He slammed on the brakes. He was fucking 16. He didn't have his permit, ruined his life for the rest of it because he killed somebody. You know, he took somebody's dad away from him. Um, you know, he hit the back of the car, snapped his neck on impact. So he died on impact, thankfully, you know, um, but that whole thing completely changed. Like I used to think like depression was bullshit. And, but like I said, I'm 14 at the time. I didn't understand what depression was. You know, I would, my mom and uh, Jim, like they're, they're musicians that they love listening to is meatloaf, like bad out of hell. That whole album, like That's that album was yeah. like, so that album was always played when they were around because that was something they, they fucking bonded over was that album. And I knew it was a hard day. My mom drove a, a fucking 2006 big ass red Nissan Titan, right? She loved trucks. She's from West Virginia. She loved fucking trucks. She always wanted trucks, you know? So I knew whenever she was pulling into the driveway, cause I would always play basketball outside with my friends. I knew once she got into the garage, if I, I can't remember the name of the song, I don't want to think about the song because it will, it, it'll fucking break. It'll make me cry. But she, she would play the same song and it was their song. And yeah. she would fucking come in and she would stay in the truck and she would cry. And then she would compose herself and come in because she didn't want to see it. Like I was the oldest at the time. I'm 14, 15, that whatever it is. That was her way of processing. Yeah. That was her way. And she still really hasn't processed this. So this is back in like 2006, right? 2005, right around the time Megas was going off the air. You know, so I didn't understand what depression was. My mom told me when I was fucking 17, like my going in or the year before my senior year that she was like, I legitimately thought about suicide every day. She was like, I thought about taking my truck and fucking getting it up to as fast as I could and burying it into a tree. There was a huge Oak tree where we used to grow up and just fucking, she's like, I thought about killing myself. And ladies and gentlemen, before I continue the story, if you're fucking thinking about killing yourself, don't, it gets yeah. better. I promise you, please reach yeah, out re to somebody. Reach out. I'm available. If you need that, like, yes. seriously, I, yes. I, same thing. Like I, I, I was also in, in a very similar boat. Like I, I told people, like, thank God I didn't own a gun. Like yes. this, it would have been that quick and it would have been, and I'm glad Absolutely. I'm still here. But, I'm glad um, you're here too, Jody. You know, yeah. so it, it's, you did it's, unlock you the are... core. Man. I hate to say it like this. It's, it's tragic, but it's also like, holy shit. How did I forget that moment? Um, I know what happened to my first edition turtles comics in yeah. high school by my best friend who I read turtles with that we drew our own turtle you know we you know, we drew our own mutant animal. i had a kangaroo um and we just would have fun and, and draw draw this stuff he um senior year he had cancer 
and that was the end, like December of, of that year, like first, second week, uh, he, he passed away. And then like literally, you know, they, that at his funeral, I, I had the comics and I laid them with him for, and that's, so he, so my, my, he went to a lot, he had, he went to a lot to get my comics, but he got them. So. Dude, that, that is such a fucking touching story. And uh, like I said, we'll get back to Megas, but I, I do, I do want to finish this, this uh, thought really quick, man. Cause yeah, I, no, like I good. said, I, there's, there's so many people that are going through shit. And like I said, when my mom told me that story, cause I used to think suicide was for weak people like, oh man, stop being a pussy, dude, pull yourself. No, it couldn't be further from the fucking truth. I have never once thought about you know, suicide never once. So I've been extremely lucky when it comes to that. But when I was in the military, my last couple years in the military, you can't say no to medication because if you do, when you say no, they go and they write in your record, refuse medication. So when you go to get out and you're hurting and you're trying to get any kind of disability, they say, well, you refuse the help when you were in. So you don't get the help when you're out. It's a very fucked up system for veterans, right? So very I took fucked up everything. System, end of discussion. My, the reason my friend would died of, of cancer was because they thought he had Crohn's disease because his parents couldn't afford the deep that would have discovered the Hodgkin lymphoma. It's it's such the 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 fucking medical system. It's a whole different topic. You know, I I if you're if you're a medical professional and you're listening, I apologize. You're probably a good one. Um, but you know, it's they kept. If you're an insurance pills. person, I need to talk to you. Yeah, you're an <laughs> asshole, probably. Um, and they prescribed me this thing called gabapentin, right? And it's uh, used for nerve pain, and it was used for a couple other things. But they found um, that it, it was. It was used in in very good uh, track record for having nerve pain, which I was having because my my discs were pushing on my hip, or which were pushing pushing on my sacroiliac joint, which was making everything go numb on one side and be painful as well as numb. And I started taking these pills, and then I just remember <clears throat> sitting down on the couch. I was watching cartoons or I was watching TV, and I just started crying. And, and it's not like I, I I fucking cry at movies all the time, you know. It's not like I, I'm afraid of crying, but right. I, I had no reason to cry. I was not sad. I was not happy. I was not. I, I didn't feel anything. I felt numb, and I didn't understand. Yeah, I didn't understand why. And I'm like, I don't under fucking stand what's going on. And then my wife's looking at me. <clears throat> She's like, "What's wrong?" I was like, "I don't know. I don't feel anything. I don't know why I'm crying. I don't know why I don't feel anything." I was like, "This." This doesn't feel right. And she's like, well, you should for sure go to talk to somebody because you were fine a couple of weeks ago and you start taking this medication. So I go and I talk to the doctor and they instantly said, all right, you got to start weaning. You can't, you can't go cold turkey, start weaning yourself back because you start out with three, you go to two, you go to one, then you go back up to two, yada, yada, yada. So they put me in therapy and I'm talking to this therapist. And this is the first time I ever talked to a therapist and I'm sitting here and he's just listening and he's talking to me and he's he's not really guiding me and telling me what I need to do he's just listening and he's he's pulling these things out that I'm talking about and he's he's explaining it back to me but in a different perspective and I didn't understand yeah. what he was doing at the time it took a couple sessions for me to understand and then you know it started to like all click I was a like therapist Fuck. knows how to tug at the thread knows which threads to tug at Absolutely. And if if I can tell anybody anything, because you said it best, man, you know, as dudes specifically. And when I started going to counseling, I was I was separated, not separated completely, but I was definitely looked at differently because this is like 2014, 2015, 2016. Right. That era. This is not that long ago, but it is long ago when it comes to mental health and men, you know, so I was looked at 
cancerous you know it's just like they don't want pull yourself up pussy that's what that's what everybody said when you're in the military stop being a bitch right and it's just like dude i don't understand like i i'm just asking for help you wouldn't say this if i had cancer you wouldn't say this if i had hiv you wouldn't say this if that why is this any different because it's something that's up here that you guys made me take i didn't ask to take this i didn't ask to get hurt i didn't ask for any of this i'm just asking for help and you know going through all of that shit and going through that therapist, that therapist's name is Dr. Love. I, I don't know if he's still around or if he's still in, in Norfolk, Virginia, but that Great dude really fucking, absolutely, man. He, he fucking helped me. And I had this preconceived notion that therapy was for, for, for people that, that just didn't understand how to be strong. You know, I didn't understand until my mom told me that story about how she thought about killing herself every day on her way home. I used to think that suicide was just for, it was just a pussy way out. And it's just like, dude, you don't know what somebody's going through. You don't understand what somebody, everybody's going through some shit, no matter how small or how big your perception of it, of the reality is, it's not really the case because what I seem small and what you seem small are probably two different things. You know what I mean? So it's like, ladies and gentlemen, what I'm getting at the long winded way of saying, like, if you need help, reach out, especially if you're a dude, because it's, we're looked at to be strong. We're supposed to be that rock. We're supposed to be this. We're supposed to be that. Fuck no, dude. We feel the same. We, we hurt the same. We love the same. You know, we're angry the same as everybody else. There's nothing different. You know about yeah. how a how how a dude should express something and how a chick. Should we are emotional it. creatures, and like anything, we need to make sure that 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 they are taken care of. It's, absolutely, it's all and part of your health. Yeah, absolutely. And the last thing I'll hit on, I, I found this like I was take when I went to culinary school, uh, I had to take the prerequisites for all the others classes, so like your sciences and your maths and all that shit. And I I wish I could remember this professor's name, but he told me something that I find so fascinating and such an insightful way of looking at it. And he was like, you've got men and you've got women. And he's like, you've got their emotional spectrums, right? And he's like, the women, women are, are told to be in touch with their feelings from a very young age. Men, you're told to like, hey, man, stop being a bitch. Toughen up, right? You're, you can't cry. Men don't cry. Boys don't cry. That's girl thing. You're told that all the time. And he said something that, I, like I said, I found so poignant, so brilliant. And it was something that like every kid there, because I was the old guy in college, none of the young kids picked up on it. And he was like, Women have the 126 crayon count with a sharpener when it comes to emotions and how to deal with their emotions. Men have that bullshit eight count or even that three count of colors that you get at a restaurant that are broken, no paper, they don't color, they're all dried out, and you're made to figure it out on your own. He was like, with the help of psychology and, and therapy in particular, you can really unlock some shit. So ladies and gentlemen, if you're thinking about suicide... Don't do it. It'll get better. Talk to somebody. Talk to me. Talk to Jody. Talk to somebody that you Please. love, somebody you trust. Please get help. Larry, we're going to put the suicide hotline number on this one again. We put it on there a couple of times because suicide and, you know, uh, depression has come up quite often awesome. in my chat. So ladies and gentlemen, please, like I said, reach out if you need help. That number is always open. Um, and uh, one bad day does not outweigh uh, an entire life. You know what I mean? There's so much more yeah. to come. It will get better. But getting back to Megas XLR, something that everybody will find joy from, Megas XLR. Uh, Dr. Underscore Gel wanted to know, Megas is my favorite cartoon ever. Thanks for bringing it into the world. Who was responsible? Nope. We already did the show's soundtrack. Did the show's soundtrack change from season one to season two? Or was it? Uh, not not really. No, like it, no. it was just it was just him finding samples from the archives and, and that 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 resonated with us. Like and if we had like we had a few that we particularly enjoyed that we came back to. But uh, yeah. no, other than that, it was it was just we we let David kind of have 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 fun with it, and he did. 
Oh boy, oh boy, did he. Master John underscore three wanted to know what kind of other cartoons, video games, and anime were the inspirations for this show? Anything stick out to you? Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was for the one, actually. Um, yeah. And uh, like, you know, Gundam, certainly Robotech. Uh, oh, I, all, the, like, all the early, you know, the, all the 90s uh, robot animes were, were, you know, we we didn't care what they were. We would watch them. If they had a lot of robot action, we wanted to, you know, we wanted to see them. What was, what was the Madhouse? Um, yeah, they, they, they were all like the, 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 what were they were, the, the robots were part of the police force. Uh, I can't remember the name right now, top of my head. But uh, yeah, just just a lot of those. Um, you know, certainly like Cowboy Bebop, Outlaw Star. Mm-hmm. Those were those were. We I still love those to this day. They were so fun. Um, you know, Foodie Foodie came out while we were baking Vegas, but that one's also also you know top of the list. Um, yeah, th- 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 just we loved all of them, and that's why Coop loves all of them. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Uh, delicious underscore bed underscore four six nine six wants to know what are some of the more obscure gaming references you guys slipped into the show? I know the Konami Code one and Halo, but those are pretty obvious. Anything in there that sticks out as far as obscure? We tried not to make them obscure. Honestly, we were trying to be kind of flavors. <laughs> so we, I mean, we wanted to put those things in. You know, they we wanted people to notice them. So we weren't yeah. trying to, you know, we weren't trying to slip anything. Deep cut it. Yeah, yeah, we weren't trying to go go too deep. I mean, like a video game. No, I mean, like, the he had the Nintendo gun for one shot. And he had to go down to reload, yeah. but that was like <laughs> a little duck hunt, man. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Pixel Perfect wants to know this. This one I I really enjoyed because, like I said, it's it's probably this one and Fat and the Furious are my two favorite episodes uh, from the series. But Pixel Perfect wants to know. What's your favorite slushy flavor? And I know you're non-American because of how you spelled flavor. So I'm assuming either Canadian or British because I got a few friends that are Canadian and British that spell it the same exact way. I actually am, am a big fan of the blue raspberry. Blue raspberry, man. It's mm-hmm. a good choice. That off top of yep, yep. Second place is Coke, Coca-Cola flavor. Dude, the Coca-Cola one's pretty great, man. When you can get a good, uh, I'm a yeah. huge grape soda guy. I love grape flavor oh, nice. everything. Um, so anytime I can get a grape slushy, I'm pretty happy. Um, fabulous underscore pudding one six seven wants to know. This show is full of great references and gags. What were some of the ones that got cut for whatever reason? Is there anything in particular that got cut? We talked about the tentacles and stuff like that that kind of made it through, but was there anything that you wanted to get in that you didn't kind of get in? Uh, well, like I, said, I mentioned, I mentioned the exploding sewer one. Uh, that mm-hmm. that was kind of the that was kind of the main one, and again. They were great. They were entirely, yeah. you know, when, when Cartoon Network would come at us with the, like, um, mo- most of the time, though, no, if, if you know, we thought we had something that um, we thought they they weren't going to go for, we um, would just kind of hide it in plain view. We would just kind of leave it there for them to see. And if they picked up on it, you know, and, and they were very, you know, they they were very reasonable about stuff. Um, again, you know, hey, don't do anything that kids can actually emulate. Don't. Oh, that was that was something. Okay, here here was a good one. They they were like, "Don't show blood." You know, you're not allowed to show blood. Yeah. So what we were going to do at what for one of them, when they're fighting, I can't remember which giant robots he was fighting, but he was going to take a big old chainsaw and just rip into it, and then we were going to cut in like do a, a cross section of the inside of the robot, and there were going to be two big tanks, one of which said transmission fluid, and the other one says blood. And he was going to completely miss the one that said blood and carve into the transmission fluid, which was then going to spread everywhere. So like, see, that's not blood. That's transmission fluid. What do you know? <laughs> and I, maybe oh, you shouldn't do that. Yeah, so that's that's probably the the only one because it was, yeah. 
Oh, that's that's awesome. Uh, else, oh man, else squibbinator. I'm I'm else squibbinator. I think. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, do you think there's anything fundamentally stopping the mecha genre from being successful in American cartoons? Pretty much all of the American shows in that genre, like Megas XLR, Exo Squad, and Genlock, have failed to find success. I don't think they failed to find success. I think the companies failed to find the success in them and cut them way too short when it comes to that. But I'll finish this question. Is there any hope for the future or will we keep having to turn to anime for our giant robot fix? I mean, I, I do think there's hope. I think one of the biggest hurdles that they have to, to clear when, when you're doing a giant robot is, is to, is, is honestly is the world building behind it. I think that, that it needs to be a, a setup that, that people will enjoy. And, um, mm -hmm. You know, and, and like you said, the ones you mentioned, I, I think they certainly covered it. But these days, the the biggest I, I dare say is probably like the elaborateness required for for the designs. You know, like most most things these days are are are, are very simple, and uh, that's just by necessity because the production times are very short. You know, they, they and um and they and they want to make sure that that the character translates. You know, like I said, when we were doing it, we were doing it on pencil, you know, in pencil paper. Mm -hmm. So we and um. Nowadays, you know, they, and there's some like you get characters that are off model that way. And when you have a a, a big guy, it, it's it was even worse. But um, I, again, they they just for to make to speed up production and, and to streamline things. The characters these days tend to be more simplified. Now, I do feel that it's it's it. I think we're we're it's possible to overcome that. Like certainly, like with with like they well like they did with the teenage mutant ninja turtles and and spider verse and that stuff if you go 3d it's it you can you can have your cake and eat it too and i think that that's if 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 there is a return i think that's probably where we're going to see it in fact we've already seen some stuff on on netflix and, and whatnot so yeah that's it's it's not dead yet it's it's you know it's mostly. percolating it's brewing yeah. it's brewing you know what i mean yeah it's, it's mostly um, dead but not all dead there there was something I wanted to, uh, I wanted to hit on that you mentioned that I, I've never really thought to ask because uh, you said the the production was streamlined. Now, since you guys were probably the last show that was done, you know, traditionally on paper still, and then everything you know post you guys was done digitally. Um, we'll just live in that world if that's not the case, ladies and gentlemen. It's the world we're going to live in right now. Um, but did you guys get more time when it was done traditionally than you would digitally, or is it always pretty fast paced and pretty even? I know that's a long time ago to remember, but uh, we got more time uh, back then simply because we had to wait for things to ship. You know, like yeah. you draw the paper stuff, and then you'd have to send it overseas. So Do you know who you guys were sending it to? Were you guys sending it to Korea, the Philippines? Who were you guys sending it to? We at that time we we had and I don't remember I couldn't tell you the names. So we were using three different animation studios at the time. We started with Madhouse and mm -hmm. Mariamasan, who's no longer there, but he is awesome guy. I, I he just he was in town for Anime Expo and I went and had dinner with him because he's just he, he remembers the yeah, cool guy and he wanted mm -hmm. to hang out and I was really grateful. But um. Yeah, at first was Madhouse, but then when we went in, Madhouse did the lowbrow pilot, but then when we went to series, we used three different uh, Korean studios. Or was it two? I can't. But <laughs> three studios. Beautiful. Um, I want to talk about that for just another minute or so. Um, yeah. When you guys have to use studios outside of the country, do you guys have, and by you guys, I mean like you and George, the guys that created the show, you guys, you, George, Chris, uh, you know, whoever else was in your tight circle, do you guys have 
uh, does Cartoon Network go, hey, these are the companies you can use? Do you guys have to go and research, you know, outside companies to animate or how, do, how does that whole process work? That's more that's a production thing. I, I yeah, I'm generally not associated with that, but they, they just I, I assume they like we looked around like we had options and we, you know, we, we would tour the studios and we would talk to the owners and just see what they would do. And sometimes they would do tests. And yeah, it's like any other, I guess, auditioning. Beautiful. Um, Spectrum 2700 wants to know, will legally friendly versions of the Magus characters ever make a background cameo in Lower Decks? That's a Titmouse show after all. Uh, we tried to put, I'm not a Titmouse, I'm, I'm on Bento, I'm at Bento Box now, but we, uh, the, Chris tries to put Goat into everything he can. Yeah. <laughs> especially, especially now, because as you heard, the Scott, Scott Reinecker, uh, the real life Goat, passed away uh, last yeah. you know, and. Uh, and it was a big blow to to all of us because he was a, he was a really dear friend. Um, yeah. So now, like Chris had always like if you look, Goat is in uh, first season of Metalocalypse. Yeah. And uh, and he's he's in the background of a few shows, and but now I know like there's a good chance you might see him in Lower Decks. I mean, what what else is coming around? Um, you know, I don't want to spoil it, but if you see a Titmouse show, keep an eye out. How's that? Yeah. You're probably, <laughs> he's, he's probably going to be there. And if it, you know, like in a semi, as a, as a pretty, probably pretty prominent Easter egg. Beautiful, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. TBD. Uh, stay yeah. tuned. Now, uh, we usually do this when somebody very integral to anything for you guys passes away. But uh, do you have a favorite story that you would like to share? About. I don't know. Like, how do you mean? Oh, uh, well, you you just said like the uh, the the real life version, or excuse me, the real life influence for Goat. You know, he passed away last year. Uh, was is there a whenever somebody passes away, I like to bring it up where we can share a story about uh, the people that are no longer here that somebody might not know. Is this a favorite interaction you had had with him? Uh, you know, before he passed away, a funny story about him coming into the studio. Uh, well, he was based out in in Jersey City, so he never came into the studio. Maybe he visited once or twice, but he recorded back east. But I mean, like one of my favorite stories for for Goat was uh, MTV Downtown, Chris's uh, series that was on MTV in the in the mm -hmm. late '90s before we got to Megas. Goat was in that one as well, that he played himself. Yeah. Uh, and for the premiere party for that, he got so drunk he passed out in the gutter outside the uh, outside the bar. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Did you guys ever get any, I, I you, we, we uh, started to talk with MTV talk, man, but did you guys ever get any like, uh, Hey man, I saw that, that pop TV reference uh, was very close to the MTV reference. So that was a question somebody asked, but it was one of those things that I prominently remember like, Oh man, that's really close to MTV. And back when, back when you're a kid, you don't know, you know, you guys' background or the internet was just starting to kick off. So trying to go and Wikipedia was out of the question, you know? So not until, you know, with the last few years when I start doing deep dives into creators and people, board artists and all that other stuff, I find out where you guys have worked and what you guys have done. So obviously that was a nod to, you know, you guys' MTV days. But anybody from MTV ever call you say, hey, man, I really like that. Or, hey, man, I don't really like that. We should probably dumb that down no, a little bit. No, but no? there's, I mean, in fact, well, one of the reasons we did that was because Chris's show, MTV Down, only got the one season. And we were like, mm, you know, so, and we we were a little salty about that at the time still. Yeah. <laughs> and in fact, if in, in um oh the 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 hot dog eating contest in a couple of the episodes, uh, in fact, I think um the main Alex Brown was the the name main character in, in downtown. And I believe he's even in the uh in, in our first episode or, or the second episode with where he's he's piloting one of the robots. 
And then mm-hmm. another character who's actually we is a character of Chris P. Wedge. He's uh in in the the hot dog eating uh, he's in uh, S Force SOS, uh, the hot dog eating contest at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> really fat guy and he blacks out. Yeah. Um I'll go to the next one here. Uh Chuckles465 wants to know, uh, was there a chance he's got a two-parter here? Um we'll start with the first one, but uh was there a chance to make the show more sequential? Did you guys ever have a, a more sequential? We actually, they they were very cool. They didn't want us to be a completely serialized show, but they did allow us to, as you said, there is a bit of a, a story arc. It just, each show had to be independent. So basically we would ha- kind of have like, a, you know, we, we have a bit of an algorithm, like, okay, this show's on earth. This one's in space. This one's on earth. This one's on another planet. You know, we try to stagger it like that. Um, but then, you know, like, and, each few was was the glorfed and kind of moving that the main storyline along of of uh, the actual war that he was supposed to be preparing for. Did you did but, you have a setting that you particularly like to to play around in more? Did you like on world? Did you like off world? Did you like space more? Which one did you like playing in a room more? Personally, um, I liked it when he was in. I liked it when he was in Jersey City because I just liked the, yeah. the juxtaposition of 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 that robot in, uh, you know, I mean, among those grimy buildings. Now, uh, obviously you're from there. And, uh, with, with that being said, was there anything? I'm actually from central to... New Jersey. We got like, I I'm, I'm originally from like Reddington down, down the middle there, but yeah, like, uh, but I would go to Jersey <laughs> city because in fact, we, we use Jersey city because when we were going to college in SVA, uh, Vonia Newport, the, the, uh, the department dormitories that everybody stayed in, uh, was, it was in Jersey city. I didn't stay. I had to commute because I stayed. I had to pay for a gun. But anyway, I could do that. <laughs> did uh did you have anything maybe from your childhood, maybe a neighborhood growing up or anything that you got to put in the background? Or was there anything from your childhood or or your years, you know, transiting Jersey uh, that you got to put in the background for the show? Um, not. I mean, my love of giant robots. <laughs> I can't say I, I can't. You can't say I put little. I wasn't going to sneak little things into the back because I because I was putting the main thing. Uh, you know that was just purely personal expression. So yeah, beautiful. Uh, his second part, Chuckles' second part, wanted to know: Does Jersey City have its own damage control, aka an organization that cleans up Coop's messes after each episode? Oh, probably the mafia. <laughs> They're in sanitation for sure. Yeah, yeah, hundred um, <laughs> percent. Yeah, yeah. Tony Soprano, not a problem. <laughs> God, what a great fucking show, man! I, oh, I went yeah. back oh, and rewatched yeah. that one probably for the first time. It just always seems like I'm watching something for the first time in at least a decade. But going back and rewatching that once they uh, the HBO app uh, launched it back a couple of years ago, man, it's it still fucking holds up. I don't know when the last time you watched it, but fuck, it's so good. Yeah, the um, DVD set, yep, the full series, oh, dude. Love dude, he 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 was, yeah. He was next level. Dude, just fucking perfect, man. I, I've been such a such a, so enamored with the mafia for so long. It's just uh it's just great. Ladies and gentlemen, watch the Sopranos. Um Blake underscore WML. How many mafios so does it take to change the light bulb? I don't know. There is no mafia. <laughs> oh, that's fucking great. Yeah. <laughs> so I went over so I'm gonna tell you the story real quick before I ask this question. Before I ask you this question. So when I was younger, uh I saw the first two minutes maybe of Goodfellas with my grandfather. My grandfather instilled in me at, at such a young age, like to look in the credits. Cause like whenever we'd watch something, uh, he was a boiler maker in West Virginia. We watch movies. We'd watch TV shows. Like a team was one of his favorite shows. He would always like, uh, in the, was it the queen of the Nile? I think that was the name of the movie. Like these old, old movies that they would play on, 
uh, TCM Turner Classic movies. And like he would point out actors and actresses and writers and all this other stuff. And he'd be like, he wrote this and then he did this. He produced on this one and he acted in this one and she did this. And so he would always like, I, I always thought just like acting is like that was the only movie he ever did when I was very young, five, six years old. It's like, oh, you only do one movie. He's like, no, she was in this, this, that, and the other. So he really instilled this love in me in like cinema and and films and TV shows. And, you know, Goodfellas was on for the first time. And I'd never seen Goodfellas. First two Great minutes, movie. you know, Henry Hills. Amazing. Oh, dude, the greatest. And this, no, this, that's not a lie. That's a lie. Godfather Part One is the greatest mafia movie of all time. Goodfellas is very, very close. Uh, depending on the day and how much weed I'm on or how much weed I'm smoking that day, I, I could it could flip flop either way. Um, but Goodfellas, perfect movie. Godfather, perfect movie. Um, <clears throat> uh, but we're watching it and it's like Henry Hill explaining it, Ray Liotta explaining the uh, the how the mafias were. He's like, from a young age, I always wanted to be in the mafia. I want dressed, eat, you know, nobody mess with us, park cars, best women, yada yada. yada. And my grandpa would turn it off at the that part because I was five years old, four years old, whatever it was. I shouldn't be watching this movie. So. That's what I thought the mafia was for the longest time, right? Ladies and gentlemen, this is before fucking streaming services and Wikipedia and and Google and all this other shit. So I kind of have to go with the TV tells me I thought everything was whatever, whatever was on the TV. I thought that was true. So I'm sitting here like, well, I like eating spaghetti. I like playing cards with my grandparents. So I want to be in the mafia too. It wasn't until I get a little bit older. My mom takes us all to books a million. And uh, John Gotti had just released his autobiography. I think he had just passed away too in prison or whatever it was. And uh, my mom goes, Hey, you know, it's me, my younger brother, my younger sister, like go pick out a book. So I'm like, Oh shit, this is the, this is my chance. So my brother, my younger brother, my younger sister put out a book and I slide that mafia book, that uh, John Gotti book underneath my, my brother and sister's book. Mom's not paying attention. She's paying, 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 paying. So we leave and I start reading. I sit in the back and I'm sitting there reading through and I go and I'm like, hey, mom, what's a Colombian necktie? And she was like, she's driving. She's like, what are you talking about a Colombian necktie? And I was like, well, they're talking about a Colombian necktie in this book. And she's like, what fucking book are you reading? I was like, the one you bought me. And she goes, give me it. And she's looking at it. It's the John Gotti biography. And she's like, how the fuck did you get this? I was like, you paid for it. You told me I can get any book I want. She's like, within reason, I shouldn't have to explain this to you. And I was like, well, here we are. What's a Colombian necktie? She's like, you're too young for that. Fucking got rid of the book. So it wasn't until I got a little bit older. I see the Godfather for the first time. And I'm like, oh, dude, the mafia is not something you want to be in. You don't really want to be that. And then I saw all of Goodfellas and I saw all of Casino. I'm like, I don't. I don't want to be. So, oh, that's another great. I'd love to see. Yeah. But <laughs> awesome. but the Joe Pesci scene, the the the, the, the Joe Pesci's death scene in, in Goodfellas is, is one of the Dude, best. It's so, so rough. It's so hard, and they killed his brother too, man. It was just you it was feel it like it's it's yeah it's a it's a gut feeling when you're he's like oh fine boom you're like there's that's terrible. I've I've had so many regrets in my life, and the one there's one regret in particular that I, I think about. I was stationed my first duty station. I was stationed in Bremerton, Washington, which is like an hour outside of Seattle, an hour outside of Tacoma, in Washington. Okay. Prettiest state I've ever been in my life. Beautiful fucking. City. I love. I want to go back so bad. I want to live there so bad. Nonetheless, I, I digress. Falls when, um, when I visit my friends in Seattle. Yes, I know the feeling. <laughs> dude, it's it's so beautiful, and I'm a redheaded dude, so it doesn't really. There's no really sun there. So I don't, I'm not, it's not like I'm in Florida. I have to battle the sun. The sun in Florida is like that, that desert world in Super Mario Brothers 3 where the sun comes down and it, you got to jump over it and hit you. That's what it feels I like. I live in Southern California. I know exactly how you feel. <laughs> well, you guys, I won't, I won't go to your state in like August anymore. Like that's, it, you Dude. guys have humidity. That That's some nonsense. <laughs> Dude, it sucks. So like it's been hot since May and I'm pretty good with heat. 
And, but when you work in a kitchen and the kitchen is 95 degrees and then you go outside and it's slightly warmer than it is outside than it is. And it's miserable, right? It's just fucking, I can't wait for fall. I can't wait for winter in Florida when it's below fucking 80 degrees and there's no skiers. are adorable. Alligators I enjoy as well, but I I couldn't, I I couldn't live in Florida. Dude, it's it's not fun. I've, I've been trying to move out of the state for I'm born here and I've lived all over the country. I've lived all over the world. I would love to, like I said, be back on the West Coast. But I really enjoy the Carolinas too. North Carolina is absolutely beautiful. I was in Charlotte a couple years ago. Beautiful city. Um, but nonetheless, I'm more an man, upstate uh, New York guy. I see. I've only ever the farthest I've ever and, been, with the exception of uh, like Virginia and shit, where I was stationed. I was I went to Boston, Massachusetts, where my wife's from, and shit, to see her family. We went to it was some Catholic thing where they cross the baby, or where I don't know. I'm not religious. So I don't. I don't know whatever Baptist, they. I, Catholic I, baptizing and such. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever communion, something. I don't know what it is. They they told me, but it's just it went in one ear and out the other. And no, nothing against religious people, ladies and gentlemen. I just don't. And, I don't understand or I don't know what it was, but uh, I was up there for, I think we were up there for like almost a week or five days or whatever it was. And I got to see the city. It was cold as shit. Um, it was fucking beautiful. That was like literally two weeks before the world shut down in 2020. Um, I got to see a whole bunch of cool things, you know, so that was a really cool place too. So I would love to see New York and New Jersey. I've never gotten the chance. Hopefully I will. Um, uh, but uh, nonetheless, my biggest regret though, when I was out in Washington, uh, it was when Henry Hill was still alive and Henry Hill was doing art. His art isn't great. He leaned into that rat thing. So a lot of the art he was doing was like a, he'd paint a rat and shit like that. And he had an exhibit and he was there. He was answering questions and shit. Um, and I just, I was like, oh man, I'll go, you know, when he has it the next day or whatever it was. And that was like one of the last days he was there. And then shortly after he passed away, like within a couple months or a couple weeks, whatever it was, he passed away. And I was like, dude, I. I had the fucking chance to sit here and talk to the guy or go meet the guy that had such a huge influence as far as the movie go. Like without this movie, like I don't really see the the mafia and shit. So it's like I, just a regret, man. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you got somebody out there you want to meet or somebody you want to talk to, talk to him because you never know when's the last time. It, it's not mafia related, but I have a similar uh, brush with a celebrity that. Uh, yeah. Like that, that, well, I was I was working at Tip Mouse at one point. I'm just sitting there drawing, and uh, John Schnepp, who has also passed away a few years ago, uh, he the, the uh, he did uh, the death of Superman Lives from uh, that yes. that uh, documentary, amazing document, great thing. But um, he was giving somebody like a tour of the studio, and I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm like, do to do, and I feel this gigantic hand just come down on my shoulder, and I look up, and there's this very sweet grandfatherly looking guy, just a big rubber band smile. Hey, you doing, son? You know what's going on? I I don't remember what I was working on at the time, but I say, like, oh yeah, this is you you get the tour, you give the guy the spiel, you know, it's and uh-huh. and it's fun. He's he's genuinely engaged, and he, he's enjoyed it. And then John, he walks off of them and then somebody mentions oh yeah john's giving rowdy rowdy piper a tour and i just jumped out of my desk like, that was rowdy rowdy piper that was rowdy Dude. rowdy piper and i ran and like because i was like because at that he was one of the my favorite wrestlers from back in the day and i, I don't know if you know but coop rather enjoys pro wrestling and yes um he you know ran, I, I ran outside to, to try and find him so i could like get his autograph or something like i don't i don't nerd out for for like like t- celebrities as but i mean there is a certain level that i absolutely go bonkers for and he is is absolutely one of them and but he had already departed at that time and then apparently three weeks later he because apparently his daughter lives in the area but then like three weeks later he he passed away so i was i was broken heart but at least i I actually got to meet him and interact with him even if i didn't know who he was so you know like that was yeah that's 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 really cool though man it it was it was it was fun that whole era of uh wrestling super fascinated about um, just the 
coming and the going of the wrestlers, just the larger than life personalities. I mean, biggest Macho Man Randy Savage fan too. Like that whole that whole gimmick, that whole dude. It was just it's such a such a piece of Americana. You know, seeing Dexter's Hulk Hogan was was oh shit no no, no, no saying Dexter's lab. Like, Dexter's lab brought in uh, uh, Randy Macho Man Savage for an I Am Monkey episode. It was Rass lore, and it's it's far and away one of my favorite episodes. And he came in, and he was a super cool guy. I got to actually meet him too, but it was just a hey, how you doing? You know, he was playing it up. You know, he was being Randy Savage, and it's it's it was a treat. <laughs> was that when uh, I have to imagine because um, you know Ted Turner owning Cartoon Network was probably during the WCW days, or was it before then? Because oh, I can't. This was, no, this was the early two thousand. No, this was the early two thousands. I think when early two thousands. So yeah, WCW was already done and already merged with WWE and W. Well, WWF at the time of WWE, but it was a uh, super juicy uh, Macho Man Randy Savage days when he was uh well all juiced up on the roids. Um, but yeah, he he's one of my favorite. Him, Ric Flair, like I said, the Four Horsemen, Dusty. I love all yep. all of that old school wrestling shit, man. So getting to meet Rowdy Roddy Piper, I, I bet you that was a. Uh, a bucket list type of thing. So it really was. Um, uh, yeah. It, like, mm-hmm. All right, man, we got, uh, we got a couple more and, and these are ones that I, I always love because growing up, you know, I really couldn't afford too many toys. Uh, my mom couldn't afford too many toys, you know, uh, trying to, trying to pay for five kids is a, a task in itself. But when you're, I was a second of four. It, so I, I second of four. So yeah, similar, similar situation. And my thing, by the way, was I liked Transformers well into high school. And that was something you yeah. were not, you had to keep like, deep cover when you were in high school. Who was your favorite? I, I The Transformer thing skipped me. Right. I'm into it because of the movies, because my, my oldest son likes them. Um, so I was always a, a Starscream guy. I, I loved that whole character, that whole voice and everything Starscream. like that. Yeah, but my favorite my favorite character is is Optimus Prime. Optimus, he's Optimus. Yep, he's just he's my guy. <laughs> you see, you see a lot of that in Megas. Just you know, his his. I don't know, man. It's that's at least that's what I get. I don't know if that was like a, a direct influence or or anything like that. But I see when I think of Optimus Prime, I think of Megas, and vice versa. I think of Megas. I think of Optimus. I mean, we do. Thank you. That that actually is really flattering. I mean, we did use the Transformers kind of as you, the beveled kind. You know, it's like approach with the large flat thing in 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 our design you know we use a lot of their design theory in our drawing in our robots no excuse me yeah. um, but uh, like uh real talk i'm not particularly fond of the michael bay overly complicated no. stuff it's like don't don't give me that give me nice i loved the bumblebee designs that Dude, was a good bumblebee was great yeah. the last one they just did I... so here's the thing there's two movies that I can point to in recent years that I was so excited for until I saw it: Godzilla versus King Kong, and the uh, this last um, the the last Transformers movie that just came out, like the fuck, what was it? Uh, Beast Wars, Wars or, or whatever. Yeah, it was. Rise of the Beasts yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. So here's the thing with those two movies in particular: I don't need a human interaction. Executives, Hollywood, I don't need a human interaction. I don't need a human connection with any of these characters. The best part of Bumblebee was the first, and the whole Bumblebee movie was fun as hell. The first 15 minutes of that movie, spectacular. Give me robots punching yeah. robots in the face. I don't yeah. need I don't need somebody that lost her dad and they were working on this car. I don't need it. I don't want I'm right it. There with you. With, give me that. I'll give me robots mashing the crap out of each other all day. Like that's. <laughs> and then King Kong or Godzilla versus King Kong. Here's the thing. 
I am not a Godzilla guy. I am a King Kong guy. I wanted to see that monkey beat the shit out of that lizard. I didn't need some lady signing, and that's how Kong knows sign. I don't need it. I don't want it. I want to see the monkey squash the lizard. I want to see good robot beat the bad robot. That's all I want to see, ladies and gentlemen. You know, I, if you need a human interaction, watch something else. But ladies and uh, executives, please, whenever you make a new Transformers movie, even though it's not, I've I've got no skin in the game. I've never been the hugest fan of Transformers. I liked it. I like it more because it's something my son and I can watch and he enjoys he enjoys the cartoons and the movies and stuff like that. Um, so it's just like, give me monsters beating monsters. Give me robots beating robots. I don't need anything mm-hmm. else, really. Um, yeah, you know, so like I said, I love Bumblebee. I did not like the last uh, Transformers well, the movie. Liked, it was fun. One of the things I liked about like Kong versus Godzilla specifically was because they based they made it. It was pro wrestling. It yes. was like, and in fact, they even in the op- the opening credits they made it look like it was you know like the final four, and then they, you know King Kong versus yeah. Godzilla. I guess like, yes, that's <laughs> that's what you're here for, guys. It's just a spectacle. They're just let us let us see. like you said. Let me let me see a giant monkey punching a lizard. <laughs> Dude, I went and bought uh, a very, very nice cannabis-induced candy bar and a very, very nice joint just for this movie. I had them rolled out like they were snacks. I devoured the candy bar. I probably should have stopped it with that one, but I was like, fuck it, man. We're celebrating King Kong, one of my favorite movies of all time, one of my favorite characters of all time. I was like, we're going to enjoy this movie, and I'm smoking this joint before the movie hits, and I start panicking. I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, I did it way too much. This is... This is too much. I started to assimilate into the movie. I started to meld into the couch in the movie. I'm like, I am spectator. Jesus. I was like, but this is this is pretty cool. I'm watching this movie and shit, right? And then it's like, I see this little girl, and then she's communicating with Kong. I'm like, all right, I'm out. I'm, I've checked out. The coolest scene in that movie was when they're on the aircraft carrier, and Godzilla is swimming underneath, and then Kong is chained up. I'm like, oh shit, they're not about to drown yeah. this monkey just yet. They better let they better let him put his hands or put his paws on this lizard because that's what I came to see. That's worth the price of a mission. So when that fight first happens, I'm like, oh, this is really cool. And then it's like all of this human exposition in between. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm checked out again. Fuck this movie. But I think bad. they do that for, for budget. I think they do that for, for budgetary reasons, don't they? Like they, if, if it was a full, like, I mean, King Kong and Godzilla, I can see like, Neither one of them talk, and I can see why they they need people. But I mean, I would rather, yeah, I would much rather the people take a backseat to to the monsters. But I mean, you're you're right. In Transformers, the, the the humans can be secondary characters. I mean, you know, the 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 original series had had humans in it, but they were mm-hmm. not the focus. You know, they they no. showed up sometimes. So, yeah, I don't. Know. It wasn't it wasn't humans. It was called Transformers. It was called King Kong. It was called Godzilla. I mean, I did kind of enjoy, like, I will admit, like, I, the first Transformers I did enjoy because I actually kind of liked the idea that the Autobots needed the help of the humans to beat the Decepticons. It's like, the Autobots were the good guys, but they weren't the, they weren't the military, you know, like, the Decepticons were the military robots, they, you know, and, and the, and the Autobots were on the back foot. That's why they were on Earth. And it was nice. It was a good idea that once they got here, they had some allies, but yeah. it, they, they completely threw that nonsense out the out the window and, and crapped all over it. So yeah, that's yeah. yeah that first that first one I, I really enjoyed because I saw that one I was still in high school. Um, you know, but it, it's just like and I, I was a, I'm a big fan yeah. of Shia LaBeouf. I, I like him as an actor. I think he's really cool uh, as far as the acting goes. I mean, I've never seen a movie where he's been in that he, that he's not been good in. You know, so seeing that one, I was like, all right, this is gonna be really cool. And then number two comes out, and I'm like, I don't need a love interest story. Don't give me this. Just give me give me robots. That's all I want. That's all I need. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. And when 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 like the, the girl like turned the, the robot, and it was like, come on. <laughs> I don't need a fembot. They did this in fucking Austin Powers two or three, whatever. What I don't need a fembot. Just give me, give me Optimus fighting Megatron. That's all I want. Bumblebee fighting Starscream. Give me something, right? Yeah. But nonetheless, man, uh, we're talking about uh, Megas XLR. They gave us what we wanted in Megas XLR, and those executives took this away from us, man. Blake uh, underscore WML wants to know. Uh, I'd like to know about any unreleased merchandise based around the show. There wasn't many toys or anything like that, so I'd love to know if there were plans uh, for more or maybe some that already existed but weren't released. Do you remember anything about merchandising? Uh, no, we didn't really. Th- like Honestly, that, now that you mentioned it, that was one of the other reasons why, as as the show, we, we got canceled was because um, they shopped it toys. around. Yeah, they shopped it around to a few places, and they're, uh, you know, they brought it to like you know, they were like sorry we already have transformers and you know and and at that point uh kb toys and toys r us still existed and those shelves were full of star wars and transformers and then they didn't want they didn't want other toys and uh subsequently that was one of the uh one of the other like nails in the coffin for us which broke my heart because you know we designed it to be a toyetic series like obviously you know like oh you could have a car you could do a giant robot and then the car on the head it's like hmm. Oh well, Man. yeah. <laughs> Damn. I mean, uh, like, yeah. For as far as merch is concerned, no, we don't really have any. So, like, we had some T-shirts and Jolly Bee. This, uh, you know, a, a fast food. They they had a yeah. they had us as as a happy meal at one point. So, that's as uh, that's as far as it got. But uh, I'm not really a, a merch guy. You know, like I said, I, I I don't I don't collect things just to collect them. I, I get stuff that I that I would want that you know. I would want to play with and then that I would have yeah. personally. Absolutely. Um, I, I was stationed out in San Diego, so I'm a, I'm a real big proponent of Jolly Bee. I, I like, uh, I like that spot. Oh, okay. yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good spot. I miss in and out Burger so much, uh, way better. I know I've got some fans that you are can't in get into the lines are around the block. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> you go I, to in and out like, yeah, there's, there's just cars around there and there's somebody out there taking your order. It's like, it's supposed to be in and out. What? It takes a half hour. Come on. <laughs> it, it it it's it's worth the wait latest bench so much better than whataburger uh so much better um i i you know what i'm i i'm not a texas guy but i do i, I have to stand up for whataburger i've i've had some friends they they yeah i do enjoy some whataburger and i don't like in and out too don't get me wrong yeah no no let, let me let me say i do enjoy in and out it's just the lines are too long come on but if yeah, I have, my, my favorite one of those is is uh is fat burger fat burger is another good one i like if i had a if i had a choice i would so here's the thing. I'm going to tell you an extremely gross story. Not gross in a sense of like, oh, I don't want to hear that. But it's just like, personally, like if you saw, I'm I'm just a big dude. I'm about six foot two. I'm about 215 pounds, right? So I'm I'm a bigger guy, right? So Jack in a Box is one of my favorite shitty. Jack in a Box sponsored my show. I'm not calling you shitty. I'm just saying it's fast food. It's not great for you. But I love Jack in a Box. Here's the thing. I... I would, whenever I was out in uh, California, we went a couple years back to celebrate our uh, 10 year anniversary. Like 2019 was our 10 year anniversary. So this is four years ago. Um, we went out there to see uh, my wife, my wife's friends and her husband and her kids because they were all best friends and shit like that. So we wanted to get the kids together. I wanted to go out there and spend some time with uh, her husband and she wanted to go out and spend yeah. some time with the family and everything like that. So we just went out there, hung out with them and got to see where they moved to. And they moved to like outside of San Francisco and shit, right? So every day I ate Jack in the Box because I had not had Jack in the Box for fuck at that time, 
man, maybe seven years, like 2012 was like the last time I had it. Right. So 2019, seven years. And, uh, my order from taco, uh, from Taco Bell has a Freudian slip because Taco Bell sucks. Don't sponsor me. Taco Bell. You guys suck. Um, <laughs> Jack in the box, man. I would go and get six tacos, large fry, large Coke, man. And I had that for breakfast. Every single day, I know, sounds gross, sounds disgusting, but I love those fucking tacos, man. They're so simple. They're so crazy. It got to the point where when I came back, I called the Jack in the Box. It was right down the street from where from where they lived. And I was like, hey, man, it's going to sound really crazy and really weird. I was like, however, I live in Florida. I used to live out in Southern California. I can't get Jack in the Box tacos in here. I would love to have Jack in the Box tacos. I was like, my wife's owner comes out here and commutes every few months and i was like is there any way that you can sell her like 50 because what they do is they make the tacos i don't know if you've ever had a jack-in-the-box taco if you haven't it'll change your life okay uh they're they're frozen and then they deep fry them frozen right so i was like i know you guys have them frozen i was like is there any chance that you could sell her like 50 of them or 100 of them frozen and then she can bring them back and that way i can just you know take them out you know fry one when i want one and then the guy literally laughed on my on the phone with me and he was like what the fuck and hung up on me and I was like, well, I guess I'm not getting these 50 frozen tacos. Uh, oh, to bitch. Eat. <laughs> yeah. What a fucking jaded bastard. Um, but uh, yeah, so I never got my 50 frozen tacos. We used to do that. I, I, have a, I have a related story. Um, like when we moved out here, uh, we didn't know pork roll. And it is pork roll. It's not Taylor <laughs> Ham. Um, <Yeah. laughs> we didn't know that pork roll was was regional fair. We didn't realize it was yeah. New Jersey, basically. And and. In fact, that's actually the reason Coop likes Philly cheesesteaks because we didn't that that was so regional. We we're like, oh, that's that's an East Coast thing that they'll enjoy. But you know, so, but, but oh, it, but um, so once I learned that, I sometimes you know you want like you said you want a taste of the old country. So <laughs> I, I didn't. Know that. And my mom would would you know she, she she'd find and she'd ship us the, the the big ones and we'd have. Wait, and then eventually I I did find like there is actually. Out here, I, I did find a place that a meat market that sells them because they have, you know, like exotic meats from around the, the world. And and one of the places that one of the things they one of the exotic places they get from is New Jersey. <laughs> exotic pork rolls from New Jersey. Man, guy. Pork roll, egg and cheese. There is nothing like it. It is it is it is food of the gods. <laughs> I, I have to agree. I've got a I've got a few guys that uh, live up in or not live up because they work here. Um, but they're from New Jersey and then they go home quite often. And that's the first thing they bring back pork, egg and cheese or pork roll, egg and cheese. They, they are, we're trying to, they're trying to get it on the menu at my restaurant now. Um, it's been, uh, yeah, it's been up. all right. And we're back and we were talking about Chris George, bologna and pork roll, man. Uh, oh yeah. George would say, I didn't have pork roll. I had fried bologna. Really? Who the fuck fries bologna when you have pork roll? And then, and then he's like, no, no, we, I, we didn't have pork roll. It's like, who doesn't have pork roll? And then we'd like, oh, oh, that's a New Jersey thing. Huh? So yeah, that's that was the story. So growing up, man, uh, bologna sandwiches were king down here. We're actually trying to do a, a fried bologna pimento cheese sandwich uh, for our brunch menu and our happy hour menu in our restaurant. Um, so I 100% agree. I, I'm not a huge hot bologna fan. I prefer cold bologna. Yeah. Um, and then mayo on one side, mustard on one side, and then a handful of Lay's classic potato chips in between the bologna and cheese. Smash that son of a bitch down. And that's one of the best. You want to talk about food of the gods, man, a bologna and cheese with the industrial strength comfort food. That is, oh, that shit will keep, keep you pickled and fermented. You ain't going nowhere. Um, <laughs> you'll live forever. Uh, super underscore Nova 22 wants to know, uh, were 
or do you remember if there were any abandoned or unused story ideas that you wanted to get through? Does one or two pop out to you if you do? Um, well, you know, we wanted to finish the story that we with yeah. more in the future for one. <laughs> that was that was certainly one. Uh, we uh, we had several others involving Goat that we wanted to do, but again, he was a salacious character because he was a salacious mm. guy. And certainly we didn't, you know, they, again, cart- I can't remember anything specifically. I, like uh, One of them I know we wanted Goat to borrow the car. It was going to have terrible consequences for the rest of the robot, you know, because he wanted to impress this girl. But we ended up, uh, we, we decided Jamie was the one that needed to borrow the car because he was just more, more you know, central to the show. And that, that was, that became, um, was that dude, where's my head? Was that the one where... He's borrowing the car, and then Coop gets yes. the manuals. Yeah, that's I couldn't remember. Yeah. I couldn't remember if that was the name of it, but uh, yeah. So that's that's what that became. Uh, you kind of answered this one earlier, uh, so we won't ask that one. Uh, we were talking about Coop's sexuality, and uh, it was a love interest ever ever considered, but we talked about that one. Yep. So you were saying, like you had mentioned before, man, Coop was asexual before you guys knew what asexual was. He had his interest in his robots and his video games and his Philly cheesesteaks. Uh, like I said, Jody, man, this has been an absolute blast getting to chat with you. Megas XLR is one of those shows that is forever burnt in here. I'll forget birthdays and specific dates. I'll never forget the first time I got to saw Megas XLR pop up on my thank screen. You. So that no, thank you, man. And I want to thank oh. you for having Helping me remember what I did with my first edition turtle comics. <laughs> I'm glad we could have worked that shit out, man. It's it, that's that's very touching. I, I really appreciate you sharing that story. Yeah, I was um, just thinking to myself, I just lost them like some losers. Like, no, I actually they they're in a very good place. I I couldn't think of a better thing to do with them. So yes, that that makes me happy. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Uh, you know, so like like I said, this this show is so important to so many people. If you could summarize Megas XLR, your experience on Megas XLR, you know, one word, one sentence, uh, one phrase, man. When you think about Megas XLR, what's the first thought, first emotion, first word that comes to mind? Well, there one word, uh, fun. Fun. That was that was the fun is Coop was all about having fun. That was you know like like best one of my favorite scenes. He's in the he's driving around on ship and, and on the dwarf ship at the end of the first season and the robots and everybody's all chasing him and he's just tooling between them and making them all crash and mm-hmm. then they surround him and then he brings the robot in he was like you mean you could have done that any time and he's like well where's the fun in that <laughs> so that that was my favorite and phrase that that's easy chicks dig giant robots oh boy oh boy like and we dig giant really robots everybody did, everybody digs giant robots is actually the, but honestly that did that didn't fit in in the, in the song as well Oh man. Well, when the show comes back, we're gonna have to have a remix version and everybody is going to dig giant robots. It really will, man. A, if you want to see it come back, like I said, just um write to WB and, and watch watch Checkered Pass. That is actually a good they are definitely using that as a barometer for older Cartoon Network properties. And we are definitely mm-hmm. an older Cartoon Network property. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, he's giving you the blueprint uh on how to get Megas XLR back on the airwaves. So if you want this show back like so many of us do, please tune in to Adult Swim Checkered Past and uh go and buy Megas XLR season one and season two on iTunes. You can find that there. Um you can see a lot of the stuff on YouTube though, but it really like 
traffic gets driven by dollars. So it's 20 bucks for one and uh for season one and 20 bucks for season two, 40 bucks well spent what I spent last weekend to watch this series. Um, like I said, Jody, man, this 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 has been a lot of fun. Uh next time we'll definitely do it during the day so uh we can we can be un what's the word? Interrupted? I don't know. Uh we can go for for a little bit longer and then we won't yeah, have to uh you know I would have deal to do this again in yeah, we'll do it midday. So I'm, I, I'm not, my internet isn't dropping constantly. That would be, that would wow. be wonderful. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Well, this has been a blast nonetheless. Is there, uh, is, is there, I, I forgot to ask you before we hit record, but is there anything that you're working on that we can push some uh, traffic towards or oh, I'm just, anything you I, want to put out there? I've been on Bob's Burgers for, for years now, man. It, I, I fucking love that show. It's, it's a great, it's, it's so I, I'm so happy. Yeah, I'm so happy to, it's, it's just, it, it's also my vibe. You know, it's, it's, it's an East Coast show and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, eight, and, it's a really sweet, fairly fun cast, and we all just have a lot of fun on it. So, yeah, that's that's what I've been up to. Dude, uh, watching the show, you could tell you guys are having a lot of fun on it. It's like uh, my son, my oldest son started watching that one probably like six months ago. Yeah. And then I'm cooking, and I hear it in the background. I'm like, dude, are you watching Bob's Burgers? He's like, yeah, this show is hilarious. I was like, I know it's hilarious, but you don't know comedy. Like, you, you would laugh at me last year for watching this show. He's like, yeah, but that was before I actually watched an episode. I was like, see what happened? If you listen to Dad more often, you would understand that Dad watches some really cool shit, and you and your friends are just like, they're just starting to watch Dragon Ball Z. They never watched Dragon Ball Z before. They would shit on me for watching Dragon Ball Z. I do feel like there is a kind of a moment when you're in your development when humor really starts to kick in for you, when you really yeah. start to get jokes. Like I yeah. can remember watching some comedy specials on, on HBO when I was little. And then, you know, like when, once I hit like tweens, I I can't remember what the but I was like busting out. I was like, oh, OK, yeah. I, I get it now. So, yeah. yeah, dad might dad might know some shit once or twice. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, so absolutely. like I said, it's, it, I can't, I can't wait for the fans to see this episode. Uh, cause like I said, I had a blast, man. He's been Jody. I've been Julian. It's been the what's in my head podcast. Julian. And this has been another piece and a huge piece of your childhood. Good night.